Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. We're a little bit late today, but it's just still great to be back on with the holidays approaching. Merry Christmas to you all. Unless you don't celebrate Christmas, then I've totally missed other holidays. I, of course, am uh, also, there it is. I, of course, am your host for today, Mr. Mark Williams. I don't know why my voice is going all of a sudden. <laughs> Maybe I'm finally hitting puberty. But <clears throat> in the top right box today, we have Mr. Anthony Larocco. Cheers. I, I got to tell you, um, I think I've heard uh, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You about 30 times in the last two days. Uh, so Anthony, they you, play you, that you... at my bar nightly, so I can't always <laughs> empathize with that. And unfortunately, the established order was upset where Mr. John Falkowski is third. Eh, it doesn't matter. But speaking about that whole All I Want for Christmas song, uh, there's literally a meme of Bret Hart and Macho Man Randy Savage wrestling in Japan for a WWF show years ago. And it's Macho Man coming off the top rope to hit Bret Hart with a double axe handle from the top rope onto the outside. And it's me is Bret Hart and Macho Man is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> and it's the most accurate meme I've ever seen. And, oh, God, I hear it all the damn time. And uh, I'll be honest, I've kind of de- just become desensitized to it. Uh, however, I do have to say that my favorite Christmas song is probably Shillelagh Law Christmas in New York right now. So I'm also going to figure out what the hell's going on with this frog in my throat all of a sudden. But we have a lot of news to dispense. It's probably not even news anymore. It's probably closer to olds. But this week, the NHL paused the season a little bit early. They usually do it every single week. Or sorry, every single year for the Christmas break. Uh, they canceled or suspended or postponed 33 games that they're rescheduling. They withdrew for the Olympics. Players and coaches around the league have responded starting with Connor Hellebuck, who caused all of this to be overkill. Steve Eisenman, who said, at the end of our day, our players are testing positive without symptoms and very little threat to their health. Why are we testing guys with no symptoms? And he also continued to say, players have never come to us to shut it down. They want to play and uh, they'll do what they have to do to get through this. League is considering easing some protocols, which we talked about last week from Anthony's anonymous source. So Anthony, I'm going to start with you on this. Where does the shutdown leave the NHL after Christmas? Well, first off, without, without getting political, because we don't want to do that. um, This is just, this whole thing is just ridiculous. Now Um, there's literally one player in the entire national hockey league, Tyler Bertuzzi um, that is unvaccinated. Uh, 98% of these guys are asymptomatic. Um, why, why are we even testing players who feel totally healthy? Like why it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, Adam Silver, the NBA's commissioner, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet. I I think I sent it in our group chat. I think it was Mm -hmm. yesterday. Um, you know, I I guess when he was asked about pausing, he said that, listen, COVID's not being eradicated. We, we have to, we have to learn to just, to just live with it. And he's right. It makes it makes no sense to to be postponing these games and players put in COVID protocol. They're totally healthy. Um, 
it it's just enough. Enough is enough. And that tweet I sent you guys earlier today um, about the NBA players are facing the same thing, and they have a full slate of games. Like, just stop. Enough is enough. And I loved Steve Eiserman's comments. It was great to see an executive like him, you know, speak out and kind of say what everyone's thinking, which is what I just laid out, is that these players um, are, are vaccinated. Uh, there's no harm, in my opinion, even if they're positive but healthy, not letting them play. Listen, if this was March 2020, when we didn't really know much about it and and whatnot, yes, if, if they were positive, even if they were healthy, I could see you know not letting them play. But being that this league is 99% vaccinated, um, there's to me, it just doesn't make any sense to A, test players who are healthy, and B, even if they are positive, hold them out. Um, I think, I think yes, if you're if you're sick, then yeah, be put in COVID protocol. But other than that, enough is enough. And Steve Eisenman and Connor Hellbook, good for you for speaking out. Um, hopefully, when the pause is over, they they change their protocols and we move on with our lives here because it's getting ridiculous. And Phil, there was one more uh, tweet that I wanted to put up about uh, this one, where it's saying management and everyone's all getting fed up, uh, calling it a charade. I mean, it's uh, – what are your thoughts on this? It's probably the case. I mean, these guys want to play. They want to get paid. They want to play. They want to do what they enjoy doing. And it, it, it's getting tiring. The narrative continues to change left and right. Uh, supposedly, this new variant isn't as deadly as the original. Everybody's vaccinated except for Bertuzzi. And Bertuzzi, you know, he can't go to Canada. So that that's his choice. But, uh, I mean... This comment right here from David, I mean, I, I he doesn't understand why the NHL is having such a problem. The NFL seems to have a fraction of the cases of quarantines. I mean, it, it these are all good questions to be asking. It, it, it just, after a while, when does it end? When does it end? When when does the madness stop? Um, I, I just, I don't know. If they want to play and they're healthy and they're asymptomatic, I mean, you know what? Let the players do what the players want to do at this point. Because if if you're not if you're not going back into total lockdown, then what's the point of, of all this madness then? Yeah, I I gotta say that it, there are so many other problems that right now are starting to bubble up because of this. Because now you have uh, with them withdrawing for the Olympics, you have three weeks of games. <sighs> That you just emptiness you have to fill now, so well, be, the, the 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 postponed games will be made up in that time. Yeah, but there's not three weeks worth of games. No, this but there's a maybe like days. a week and a half or, or more. Well, first off, if they could undo the Ranger Islander game on St. Patrick's Day, that would be nice. Thank you very much. Yeah, but I mean, they were also and they're just they're talking about making games, uh, taking them and moving them up depending on building availability, like this is, this is going to be an absolute, just, just, uh, I won't cluster F. Uh, I'll say that I wanted to say the actual word, but it's without talking about the actual politics of the situation. It's you got players that they're healthy and the flu's gone around NHL locker rooms if you want to say it's a, it's not the flu. Fine, it's it's not the flu, but it's it it's it seems to me this is a little bit of virtue signaling, and 
the league, it, this might be a tipping point for them to say, look, we're just going to go through games. This is just what happens. Well, and there's never going to be a COVID zero. So, that, that's that that's exactly it. And that's why Adam Silver was, was bang on. They have to, um, you know, they, they have to readjust the protocols. They really do. Cause um, you know, people, players are still going to test positive. Um, and if they're healthy, let them play. I mean, like I said, not to keep repeating ourselves, but literally the whole league minus one player is vaccinated. Everyone's vaccinated. Um, you know, and these are the, the top athletes in the world. Uh, and if, if they are experiencing symptoms, they're like having like the sniffles or a cold. It's just, um, it's just ridiculous. But um, listen, I think the league will probably, you know, revisit some of the protocols after seeing what the NBA and NFL is transitioning to. Um, for them to be the only ones, you know, doing something different um, makes no sense. And typically these leagues are like copycats. If one does one thing, usually the others follow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, maybe the only wrinkle to this is the NHL has a lot more Canadian teams, obviously, than the NBA and the NFL is none. So maybe that plays a role in it with the, you know, cross-border traveling um but even still i mean it's just it's just it's just absurd um, well you're gonna have a lot of that you're gonna have the uh the provinces in canada and the canadian government as well as certain states in uh, down here that they're just gonna be like nah you're gonna need to keep those uh like strong protocols madison square garden is requiring five-year-olds to show proof of vaccination more on that later by the way it's there's there's a bit of just madness with this and i'm not a doctor i know this because there isn't a there isn't a a plaque on my wall that says i'm a doctor but although i'm dr love ladies but it's just i don't think uh, this is this is madness i'm just gonna go back down to phil before i say something dumber well did, did you first i just wanted to uh just he you know, AZ wrote this comment, CA, uh, I don't know if you saw the problem, the pro- and this wasn't satire or a joke. Apparently in Ontario, they're changing the rules now where at these events, you can't eat food, you can't buy any drinks, and you can only stand up when a goal is scored to cheer. Like, cause they, wanna, <laughs> they, want, they, want, they want to eliminate food and beverage because that gives people a reason to take off their mask. So by doing that, they say people are going to remain wearing masks the whole time. And that is the most absurd and ridiculous stipulation um, that I have that I, I have seen in a long time. Um, I mean, I know I, again. I'm not getting too much into politics. I know, like, we, people have their thoughts on you know our president and the administration and whatnot. But Canada, man, like doing stuff like that. Like, are you are you kidding me? Like the, the Canadians playing in front of no fans the other day and going to fifty percent capacity. Like, what are you what are you doing? Like, just just stop it. It's it's just tiring. It's just well, it's the Arizona it's Coyotes. Tiring. They don't have to worry about standing. Filk? Uh, at what point do do they just shut down sports then? Because and and I get that the NHL is never going to go for that because it's a business and they, they they can't endure that again. I mean, you you've seen the financial implications from what's happened to this league from the the previous shutdown in 2020, but it just it, it it's overkill. It's, it's overkill. This isn't going anywhere. We're going to have to learn how to live with it, just like everybody did with influenza all those years ago. Excuse me. So we're, we're, we're going to have to learn how to live and, and get back to a normal life. It, it just, I, I've seen 
even as a as a pro wrestling fan, I watch a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and it, over there you can't cheer. They wear masks in their seats, and you you can't even cheer. You have to stop and clap. So I, I mean, it works, and their their crowds still get very loud that way. But it's I don't know. I'm just over all this. I'm tired of it. It, it it's just annoying, and it, it, if. If the narrative wasn't changing constantly and this wasn't so politicized, I, I, I could understand it at that point. But this is all just – it's annoying. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm sick of it. I just want life to go back to normal and want to be able to enjoy sports without all this madness and political nonsense involved with it. So, and the economic repercussions of all this is starting to rear its head. We know about the Phoenix uh, – sorry, Arizona Coyotes. I caught myself saying that twice already. Um, and uh, there might be problems going with the pandemic for the Calgary Flames too, and that new prog- uh, that new uh, building that they're gonna that they were trying to get. We don't even know what's gonna be happening. The, the only the only aspect in this that I that I kind of agree on, and I think Frank Ciaravelli said, other than like you know the pandemic itself, one of the reasons why uh, games are being postponed is for the competitive balance. People pay a lot of money to see top players. And with so many of these players on COVID protocol, um, I guess they feel it's not fair to have so many teams having AHL call-ups. And that's why that, that's why I get so much so frustrated. So it's okay now, but it was okay when the Islanders are playing Andy Andreoff and Grant Hutton and yeah. all these and all these guys. That was okay. But I, now I totally get you being pissed there. The, the only thing I'll say in response to that is that unfortunately the Islanders and the Senators were like guinea pigs in all this. They were they were trying to work out the kinks and see how it would relate with them and how it would work. So unfortunately the Islanders and the Senators really got the uh, the crap end of the stick and they had for it. And so, but the other news that comes with this is that the NHL officially withdraws from the Olympics. Now, we've been advocating just don't go anymore. No matter how much we wanted to see the best and the best of the world against each other. And it's, it's something that it's disappointing. But also, Phil, can you think of some positives with this now? I'm I'm of the ilk or the mindset rather that if you I, I I'd rather focus on the NHL team than the Olympics. They don't mean nearly as much to me as <laughs> my team doing well and being on track. Um, if the positive in this is that you don't have to worry about a player going overseas, getting like a false positive test or two false positive tests. And being over in China for three to five weeks because he can't come home. Because, I mean, that, that would be ridiculous. So I don't blame them for not wanting to go at that point. Um, and the cool thing is, is that while the Olympics are going on, you can watch the Olympics and you can watch NHL makeup. So there's even more hockey to watch now. So if, we, if we're going to look at a glass half full, that that's my <laughs> glass half full right there. Anthony, go. I, I haven't said that the – you know, prior that they shouldn't be going to the Olympics based on everything going on. And, and really mostly just because of the quarantine rules, if they could track COVID when they're there. Um, but needless to say, I'm still disappointed that 
at the end of the day, we're not going to be watching NHL players play for, you know, their home countries. Um, it just takes, it just takes away from, a, takes away from it for a little bit. Like I'll still watch. Um, but I think competitive balance is uneven now because as you guys know, Russia can use Russian KHL players, which is ridiculous because that's a pro league, probably, probably the second best league in the world, but yet they're going to be able to add um, really anybody they want to the roster where, you know, USA is going to have uh, collegiate players. And, you know, like I, I made reference last Olympics, Brian Gianta played, he was a free agent. So, you know, I guess Bobby Ryan could play for team USA. Um, but I mean, Canada, all those countries, they, they're not going to be able to compete with the talent that Russia is going to be able to play with, with their top KHL players playing for them. So in my opinion, I mean, yeah, anything can happen, but I think there's just basically hands Russia the gold medal for the second consecutive Olympics. Um, so I think in the, in the event that, I mean, I know it shouldn't matter because Donald Fierce said in 2026, the NHL players will be back in the Olympics, but in the event that, you know, in future Olympics, for whatever reason, they don't use NHL players, they should revisit that where, where Russia can't use professional KHL players because it, like I said, it, it affects the competitive balance, but, um, I get why they did it. Listen, the three to five week rule is ridiculous if they tested positive. Um, but you know, I, I guess, you know, I'm upset, but like I said, uh, being everything that was going on, it didn't make sense for them to go, but, um, I'll still watch, but it's just not going to be as fun. I'll say this, the NHL, I think lucked out on this one. Because now they don't have to answer questions that the NBA is has been answering for the last two three years with uh, with uh, their relationship over there and all the politics that's going on over there. The NHL doesn't have to answer those questions. Those have to be asked of them. Sure, you'd you'd love to tap into that market, but now you don't have to think about it right now. Look, it's as far as the players go and their well being and their health. Their best thing was to be here. Like I said before last week, I want Chris Kreider nowhere near. The Olympics right now. I, I would, and no one would want McDavid over there. No one would want, and Anthony would want Brock Nelson or Matt Barzell going, especially with your season hanging by a thread. And again, like you said beforehand, it's kind of unfair when you look back at it going, and we talked about it last week. Did the NHL mishandle the, the situation for the Islanders? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah. Now, is it the reason it's, it's a reason for four of their losses? Not 11, but that's a different story. Um, but again, that's it's just that's just what we need to do. We need to get away from that and just pull out completely. It's it, it just makes more sense. But we're going to move on from that right now. Guys, what do you think about the NHL not going to the Olympics? And what do you think about their pause this week? And um, there was also the, the comment. I just want to throw this tweet in there. It was the one you put in the group chat, Ant. It was uh, every single NHL game is canceled tonight because players got the sniffles. Meanwhile, the NBA has a full slate of games going on tonight while battling the same issues. Not good for Ryan Whitney's ongoing skit that the NHL is tougher than the NBA. To um, whoever that tweet was, I think it's Foley was the name on it. No, that's not the case. This is It started with the Canadian government saying they weren't going to allow cross-border traffic. There are plenty of people it just no NHL players are much tougher than NBA players. You guys rested players because they were old. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. Um, let's uh, let's do some bar talk right now. And then we'll get to our 
our Christmas theme. I'm going to take a shot on this one. I'm going to say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. Welcome back, everybody, to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we gauge our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you going to buy everybody around? You're so confident. You just mm. so so you want a beer, or you you just need a shot on this one because oh, it's depressing. So I'm going to start with this one and direct it down to the man who's in the lower square today, Mr. John Pokowski. The Rangers actually benefit from the early shutdown. I'm buying everybody around on this because Gerard Gallant the other day actually said that if they were to play tonight, that both Panarin and Shesterkin would have been in the lineup. So this is an absolute, um, absolute blessing in disguise for them in a way. Um, you know you're going to have Igor back and healthy. You know Artemi Panarin is going to be back and healthy as well. Uh, you want both of your guys back, uh, and especially against a team like Montreal, uh, they could have used the both of them. I mean, their next game is against Detroit on Monday. Um, Detroit is not a pushover, as the Islanders know. So the Rangers better go into that game uh, with their heads, uh, you know, up straight, on straight, and, and really come out flying against that team. They have no excuse at this point. Uh, I don't want to hear about rust. They had so many games in a small schedule span. Uh, and in a certain amount of days, what was it, six games in like nine days or something like that? Uh, something ridiculous. But the, they should be rested now, and they should be come out. Uh, they should come out flying against Detroit. So this is a uh, round for me, Anthony. Uh, yeah, round. Um, you know, I, I think for sure, Phil Outline gives Panarin some more time, um, gives Justerkin some more time, just extra reps uh, to get even healthier. Um, and also the Rangers, you know, haven't been playing their best hockey lately. So I think maybe it's a little, little bit of time to regroup there, uh, try to find their game. Um, but then at the same time, a lot of teams could pro- are going to probably say to themselves, you know, this is coming at a good time and regroup. So I, I think it's an even playing field there with, with benefiting a bunch of teams. But um, I, I think for sure the Rangers benefit from this. I'm going to go round two. Uh, there is a caveat to what I think and that they shut down the practice facilities. As soon as they said no cross-border travel, they the Rangers could still practice. They're still a young team. Young teams need to practice. And Mika Zibanejad was starting to come alive. But you know what? It's still around because the health of Zirkin and Panarin matter so much more than anything else. Panarin, who, by the way, is, I think, fifth in the NHL in scoring. I'm going to be talking about NHL scoring leaders more in a little bit. Going to the Islanders, Robin Leonard returned this week with the Vegas Golden Knights, and he decided to shave in honor of Lou Lamarillo his one year there. So, Anthony, Robin Leonard is the best short-term wonder in Islander history. Uh, you're muted, Ant. I, I actually replaced this one in the rundown because I thought I, I thought I thought it was a little silly because, I mean – there haven't really been many Islanders over the years has played one year and left. Um, I changed it to Oliver Wallstrom needs to play at Barzell when he, don't when worry, I'm putting that in the rundown right now. Too. But I mean, as, as for this one, I mean, I mean, when I rack my brain to try to think of, you know, some of recent Islanders to only play one year and leave. Um, I mean, it's 
it's definitely it's definitely Leonard. Um, I mean, so round Leonard Leonard connected with the fan base. You know, he made those comments that uh, the Islander fans saved his life. Um, you know, I think it's because that I don't know. Forget it was the day of training camp that year. Arthur Staple um, put out the article where he sat down with Leonard, and that's when Leonard first opened up about his his um, struggles with you know depression um, and all that. And I think connected with a lot of you know a lot of fans. I mean, a lot of hockey fans are blue collar people that you know live live life um, you know like everyone else, kind of million things going on. So a lot of people in this world have anxiety and depression. And I think that's why he connected with so many people uh, to show that a professional athlete like him can be open about it. Um, and the Islander fans connected with him and, you know, they loved him. Uh, and he had a lot, it didn't hurt that he had a lot of success too on the team. So for sure um, he made it, you know, Leonard made a big impact on the Islanders and vice versa. Uh, you know, great person uh, seemed like a great teammate. I still, you know, scratch my head why they, you know, opted to let him go, but, um, Me too. I mean, yeah, this is, this is, this is a, a no brainer in terms of, uh, of it being around. Felk. I, there really isn't much to say after Anthony's explanation. It's around. I, I mean, you don't really see many players, uh, and get really endeared to the Islanders fan base the way that Robin Leonard has in general, Never mind ones that, have been there for only a year. Uh, I, I think there are more players that the Islander fan base hates than there are the like ones that have come and had that kind of impact in such a short amount of time. So this is definitely a round. Yeah, I think it was just an easy round for all of us. And I was trying to think of somebody else to um, to compare him to. P.A. Parento was one of those guys that I could think of. That's why I turned, changed it from one-year wonder to short-term. Uh, wonders like uh, Adrian Acoin was fantastic for them in, for a few years and yeah. then disappeared. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys other than uh, Blake. I mean, uh, Mark Parrish, Jason Blake had 130 goal season, 40 goal, uh, 40, 40 goal. Yeah, yeah, you still had to get 30 to get to 40. Okay, and, and, <laughs> and mind you, just to Robin Leonard has a tattoo of Long Island on his neck. I mean, that just, goes, to it. Yeah, that just goes yeah. to show how much how much he loved the island and and the fans and what it meant to him. And so quick question before I move on to your Wallstrom thing, uh, Anthony, um, how awkward was it that Andy Green got honored for 1000 games, got an ovation? The bigger ovation was for the guy that only played one season with him playing on the opposite team. I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, uh, you know, Andy Green playing a thousand games in this league. Um, you know, it's impressive. It just goes. It just shows you the longevity, health. Um, but you know, Andy Green, you know, has only been an Islander for you know a short amount of time. And even though Leonard was too, obviously the story and everything made Leonard a much more of a, a fan favorite, but I mean, I don't think that's newsworthy at all, but congrats to Andy green for reaching a thousand games. By the way, Phil, looking at An uh, Anthony's lighting, does, does it feel like uh, he's going to break out into Phil Collins? I could hear it calling in the air tonight. Yeah, anyway. You definitely botched the lyrics of that song. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> moving on. Oliver Wallstrom should play with Matt Barzell when play resumes. 
Going back to you, Mr. Islander. Buying everyone around here. Um, you know, after a little bit of a, a tough stretch, after a great start, um, Wallstrom has been one of their one of their best players uh, lately. Um, and Barry Trotz pointed to the fact that, you know, when he was in his slump uh, and maybe not doing things right away from the puck, uh, which was limiting his ice time, he said one thing that he's doing now is he's passing the puck. Because Wallstrom, we all know how well Wallstrom shoots the puck. So he was saying how, you know, Wallstrom, when he's not going, he's just kind of shooting it every time he gets it and not, you know, not really like making a heady play and, you know, using his teammates to help him. Um, you know, for the last, you know, week and a half, two weeks, uh, he's been getting assists. There have been a couple of games uh, where he's had uh, multi-assist games. Um, and that's just an asset of his game um, that makes him an even better player. Because, again, we all know how well he shoots the puck. But, um, you know, for the longest time, even back when Tavares was an Islander, it was, you know, Tavares needs a winger to play with. He needs a winger to play with. Barzell needs a winger to play with. And Oliver Wallstrom has a fantastic shot. Barzell's a setup guy. It just, the marriage just makes sense. Uh, so Barry needs to, you know, quit playing around and limiting Wallstrom's ice time and um, because he, he produces despite not getting a lot of minutes. So play him with Barzell and hopefully they can, you know, really connect and make some magic because, you know, you think the writing's on the wall based on the two, the two styles of games they both play. But um, yeah, I, I think every Islander fan should be happy that Wallstrom um, is with this team because I, I think, uh, you know, he's going to be a really good player in this league and he needs a good centerman in Barzell to play with. I got to go down to John because he was so animated just now. What were you thinking? Because, because Anthony, literally the thing he said about Tavares needing a winger was what I, exactly what I was going to say. It's that <laughs> they needed they needed a winger a top line, a top flight level sniper, somebody who can come along and like score 30 goals with their top center for all these years. And now they're not even going to try to do that. So I, I don't, I don't even know anymore why Barry Trotz won't do this, but this is absolutely around. Uh, he's the best winger they have in terms of pure skill and talent. He's the very best. I don't care what anybody says about Beauvillier. I don't care about what anybody says about Anders Lee. Anders Lee has not looked the same since John Tavares left because John Tavares and Anders Lee, their styles meshed well together. Uh, I've said from the start, even Anthony, you know this. When, I, when Back when we were at the station, I was telling you that Anders Lee was definitely not going to produce the same way with Matt Barzell that he did with John Tavares. And three years later, here we are. So yep. put, put Oliver Wallstrom with him it's time to make the move. It's time for Barry Trost to start giving Oliver Wallstrom the same leash that he's given Josh Bailey and Kyle Palmieri yeah. and some others who haven't really been carrying their own weight. So, yeah. We're wearing out this button so far today, but I'm buying everybody around on this one too. I've been calling for this for a while. They should have moved Wallstrom up to, to start the year. I forgot. Anthony, who's, who's the other wing on that line? Lee and Bailey. Okay. Well, but it wasn't Bailey originally. Because uh, he's with the B line. Well, yeah, because Eberly left. So they, they switched things up. Um, so Yeah, but originally it was who were they playing on the first line? They tried Palmieri for a brief time, but it's it's I, been Lee and Bailey for, for all this year. Yeah, Paul, and, and there you go. If you if you put together um the, the three P line, as I called it this week, which was uh Parise, Pajot. <laughs> 
and Palmieri. Maybe that's a new line, and that could help out this team and resurrect them. And Oliver Wallstrom, you know what? Turn the kid loose. He, they, this kid fire will just fire the puck from everywhere. Anders Lee has got his big ass in front of the goalie's eyes. Have have at it. That kid can actually get twenty goals right now, if not thirty. Yeah. If if you just go with that, because he's got the shot gonna... that would get him thirty goals, uh, easy thirty goals. Uh, it just and the skating's improved to the point yes. where I don't I don't see why he can't play with Matt Barzal, especially when the other winger is Anders Lee, who couldn't keep up with Matt Barzal. If Matt Barzal had cement blocks attached to his skates. <laughs> I, I can yeah. tell you. I mean, I can tell you the reason, Phil. It's because you know Trotz, as we all know, is very is very you know big with de- being responsible defensively, and I, I guess he feels that Barzell is still spotty sometimes, and that Walsham's a young player and has his deficiencies right now. So I guess he doesn't he doesn't want two of the two out of the three players on the at the top line having to worry about. But I, I get it. I get it. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna by the way, everyone, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not really vocal in the comment section today. My computer is lagging beyond belief, so I can't even type anything right now. Um, Dominic, your comment about Barry Trotz and young players, the David Quinn of the Island, is probably the most accurate comment I've seen in regards to this whole Islander uh, segment right now, or with, with uh, this. So, because it's absolutely true. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Anthony, but at the same point. If you're not going to give this kid a chance, when? If not now, when? And you know, b- before before we move on, I just have a little little bit of a, a little bit of a hot take. But I, I I was talking with Islander fans in a group that I'm in, and the the last year before Trotz took over, the 17, 18 Islanders tire fire defensively. I mean, they let up a lot of goals, but they were one of the top scoring teams you know, in the league. I think they were in the top 10 in goals for because um, Doug Waite played a wide open system. I'm not saying I want Trotz to do that, but I'm starting to believe that he's got to loosen the reins here with the system he plays because, you know, Bar- Barzell should be putting up more points than he does. You know, I mentioned Palmieri guy, the guy scores 25 goals a year for five, you know, for four or five years. And now all of a sudden he doesn't score. You know, Anthony Bovillier has a lot of talent, you know, Wallstrom, I mean, Lee and Nelson. Here's the thing. I, I think I, I I think he needs to to maybe have them start playing a more offensive brand of hockey. I've it got one hurt. small short point I can add to what you're saying. Barry Trotz's system wins, but Barry Trotz's system isn't going to win with the Islanders unless he eases up a little bit because he doesn't have the talent that he had in Washington to win with. So unless he decides that he pulls off the range just a little bit and gives them some slack, uh, Matt Barzell is going to remain a 65, maybe 70-point player when he should probably be a guy that scores 75 to 85 mm-hmm. if he's got a decent winger with him. Barry Trotz has been known to actually pull back the range, though. He did that in Nashville, I believe, back in the Steve Sullivan era. Not really. They were the same team back then. It's just that Steve Sullivan came in, and right off the bat, Steve Sullivan – was about a point-per-game player when they acquired him at the 0-4 deadline uh, from uh, Chicago. So, I mean, really, they Nashville's never been an offensive team, not not since the Peter Forsberg deadline deal. Okay. Since seventh season. But that's that's what great coaches have to do. You got to pull it back a little bit. I would actually well, have used the uh, the um a comparison for John Tortorella and Chris Kreider for this as well, but. 
that's another story. Philk going on. The New Jersey Devils season is over. The Devils lost four in a row. Sorry, six in a row before the pause. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how the Devils make the playoffs. I, if anything, they should be worrying about draft positioning now because if you added Shane Wright or or someone like a Matt Savoy or a Brad Lambert to like that core of players, then New Jersey starts looking like a real monster going forward. Uh, I, I would do that. Um I don't know what they would need to uh, how or how or why they'd be able to get back into the race. They they would have to win ninety percent of their games probably to make the playoffs. Um, they're just in as, as in as bad of a position as the Islanders are, and the Islanders need to win. I would say at least eighty five percent of their games going forward. Mm-hmm. So I I I don't think the Devils can do anything. Uh, it's it's over. Just try to develop your players. Uh, look for steps in the right directions with guys like Jack Hughes, Dawson Mercer. Um, you, you want you know, someone like uh, Igor Sharangovich. You want to see more out of him. Yeah. Jesper Bratt is playing at almost a point per game. I mean, there, there are good signs, but I wouldn't worry about making the playoffs if I were them. I'll jump in since we're waiting for Anthony to get back and I'll say this. Yeah, it sucks. I I predicted the Devils were going to be hanging in there, especially after their game against the Rangers a couple weeks ago, where I was like, "Wow, this team, this team fights. This team is good." I mean, Lindy Ruff, one uh, one of the winningest coaches in in NHL history, possibly one of the most overrated ones. I'm starting to think, um, but it, it's it's just I I look at this team and I think they should be better. I think they should be much better, but their defense just isn't that good. No, but I mean, that's what happens when Ryan Graves is playing on your top pairing. Oh, wait, I might get DM'd by somebody for saying that. <laughs> All right. Well, and it's, you look at that again, you look at the Devils, you look at their roster. And uh, I mean, Sharon Govich, I had as one of my sleepers. So, oh, hey, I guess. Oh, sorry. Oh, Anthony, That's Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Phil, you're, you're, you're putting it in. No, no problem. No, uh, my computer, my laptop is lagging so hard. Like I said, I, I can't even respond to you guys. I see all your comments. Hello, everybody. Hope you all are having a, uh, a good holiday season. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I can't, my screen's lagging hard. The comments are coming in all laggy. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know what's going on right now. I got to hand it to you, Anthony. You're always creative at uh, getting interactions when you're not on screen. AZ, by the way, uh, it's not Barkov. It it was Nick Bobrov, who was the the head European scout for the Rangers at the time. That that drafted Kravtsov. And there's a little bit of questions you got to ask with that guy right now. So even after the pause, the Boston Bruins condensed schedule will cost them a playoff. Now, again, I want to say it like this. If they keep the schedule, they're talking about moving around games. But the Bruins have like a bunch of back-to-back games, plus like very little off days in after the post-Olympic break. But if the schedule remains similar to what this is. So uh, I guess, Anthony, you start it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Beer. Uh, I, I think um, they, they could still be powered by Marshawn, Pasternak, and, and Bergeron. Um, but 
I'm not I'm not really in love with their team overall. I still I think they still lack um, lacked a little bit of depth. Um, I mean, Felino isn't really performing for Boston at all um, after signing him. Um, Hall's really not playing all that great. Um, and their goaltending, Olmark and Swayman. Swayman's been pretty good, but um, I, I honestly think it, like a team like the Red Wings could could beat them out uh, right now. Um, I, I, I'm more I, like I'm more impressed in Detroit than I am Boston right now from the time from the from how much the sample size I've seen of both teams. But um, yeah, I, I don't think Boston has a playoff spot locked up at all. Philk. I'm looking at their schedule, and it, there are some tough, tough games coming up for them. Uh, I mean, the rest of the year, they really don't have a stretch where they have a bunch of easy teams in a row until I would say the end of March, beginning of April, where they have like the Devils, the Blue Jackets back to back. I mean, and I can't even say the Blue Jackets are a quote unquote easy team. The Red Wings aren't an easy team. I, I mean, I don't. I'm with Anthony on this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say beer because I'm really not sure if if they could uh, make it or not. Because they, you're right. The, that top line's one of the three best lines in a league, hands down. But where is their scoring depth after that? I mean, in Taylor Hall has T- Taylor Hall really been all that great for them? Charlie Coyle, where is your scoring depth after that? Eric Holla. And their defense is really not all that good. I mean, Charlie McAvoy is good. Grizzlick is, eh, he's okay. Derek Forbert is supposed to be in your top four. That that's a yikes for me, dog. So uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say beer here, but I, I'm starting to lean towards shot when I look at their schedule. <laughs> uh, you know what? There's only re- one reason why I'm gonna say the word beer and not buying everybody around right now, and that's because I actually think that uh, just like that everybody all my my co-hosts are gone uh i i think the top line could possibly carry them into the playoffs i just don't see it and uh, depending whether or not tuka Rask gets back and he's completely healthy and rejuvenated that can help but on the other hand you look at that schedule that schedule is nasty for an older yeah. team going down the stretch and they're they've only played I think I think they're tied in games with the Islanders right now, so more of their games are coming. It's coming in the next three months, and, and don't be surprised if they're not there. Now again, if the NHL has to like move around the schedule of fe- for February and everything, that could change and alleviate them. But I know they got a back to back against the Rangers the last year. They got five back to backs that I checked. Back to back the NHL. They have 20, do not they've work. only played 26 games. So then the Islanders are uh, have played the least amount of games in the league. Yeah. And you know what? And, and COVID went through them too. They, they've been ravaged. I mean, uh, the Islanders played them without a bunch of key guys. And yeah. So, I mean, Islanders might have been shafted a little bit by, uh, in their in their run. But, uh, I mean, they caught Boston at the right time too. So, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I unless Boston makes a trade deadline move and a big one, like some, let's just say somehow they pull out a trade for like Tomas Hurdle or something like that. I, I I don't know where they get the scoring depth from to make that run and and take that spot. Even though I don't see Detroit necessarily beating them out. Are you starting to think they're the 2016 New York Rangers? They they feel like it, except they have a real good top line. 
Um, their their goaltending, I'm not sold on their goaltending. The, uh, unlike 2016 with the Rangers, you knew the goaltending was solid. You knew the defense was was decent, but it, where is the depth? See, but by the way, you know what the funny thing is? I use them as the example of a team that they're just trying to keep it still going and the window's closed. 2017, they had a real good team. But I, I guess maybe 2018 is the better example. The window closed, and the but the Rangers bought them out. They were they were not a very good team at that point. Have you guys noticed the the, the, the many comments with the like the Russian names with the little? Yeah, I think yeah, they're it's, bots. It's spam bots. I, yeah, I normally spam. I would be blocking them, but I like I said my I'm I'm, la- I'm lagged out. I, I can't. And and I'm gonna get on that as soon as I get get through. Okay. Um. Hey guys, do you know who's fourth in the NHL in scoring? Nazem Kadri, 11 goals, 27 assists, 38 points. So this is the next question. Nazem Kadri is quietly putting together a great season. Uh, this is another easy round. Uh, I mean, he, he he's also up there because Nathan McKinnon was out for a while. So um, he, uh, he's still a really good player. You got to remember in the, t- in the 2013 uh, lockout shortened season, he was about a point per game that year as well for Toronto. And Toronto really was being carried by him, James Ann Greensteig, and Phil Kessel that year back then. So uh, Thank you, Shannon. Thank you very much, Shannon. <laughs> thank you. We appreciate that. Wow. That is – thank you very much, oh, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah. Merry Christmas. You, Shannon at uh, Croker's. You definitely got a round on me at the least. And so. by the way, uh, Shannon is actually moving – to uh, Miami in the next uh, within the next year uh, oh, for wow. her job, but she will still be watching us and she will still be rooting for her Islanders. Wow, good for you! Get away from this crappy weather. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, John, finish I, that. I, it's obviously around a for for Kadri, but um, yeah, he, I I would wonder what his numbers would look like if he didn't play on their top line for as long as he did. All right, I was taking care of a bot, but uh, Anthony, go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's around. There's no great, there's no doubt about it that he's having a great season. When you're fourth in the league in scoring, um, you're doing something right, and that's you know that's quite impressive because you know when you if you know you ask someone you know like who just if without looking at numbers or stats like who do you think would be in the top five? I don't think his name would ever come up. No. Um, but you know he's he's great in his own end too. Uh, you know he pl- he plays the game on a on that fine line. He plays hard, but um, yeah, he's capitalizing on you know opportunity with more ice time. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I think he's absolutely is. And you know what else I could say is also maybe even more so quietly having a great season. Um, Stamkos. I mean, Stamkos is sixth in the league in mm-hmm. scoring. Um, you know, and he's kind of gets overlooked now. You know, he's getting a little older. You know, when you think of top players in the league. Um, he doesn't necessarily come to mind right off the bat, but um, he's having like a resurgent season uh, for Tampa Bay. Uh, and luckily for them, because, you know, Kucherov has been out. So they're able to for him to step up and, you know, give top tier pr- production um, yeah. is really good. So I would say, you know, he might even be more of a candidate than Kadri. Uh, but there's no doubt that Kadri's having a great year. I, I'm going to buy everybody around on this because I posed this question and I was shocked, shocked when I saw it was Nazem Kadri. Because uh, you think McKinnon, even though he's been out, you think Rantanen, who's ha- having a good season. You think about all the all the guys and Nazem Kadri. 
I don't think he's uh, – has he ever led a team in scoring that he's been on? I think I'm, that, I'm not I even think sure. The, uh, the, the 2013 Maple Leafs probably. Okay. But, I mean, I, I was shocked about this. So, first, let me give credit to the great season he's putting together. His season is going to end with a suspension. We all know <laughs> this. It's going to happen. And, and Nazem, if you ever get a video of this or anything, please – don't end your season with a suspension. Because... Oh, no, he didn't lead the 2013 Maple Leafs in scoring. Phil Kessel did. Okay. I mean, because I know we played with Kessel and Ram Van like But again, his uh, last season, he ended it suspended. The year before, he ended it suspended. He ended his career as a Maple Leaf suspended. Stop getting playoff suspensions. So, moving on. Teams should be lining up to hire Paul Maurice after he resigned as Jets coach. And if you uh, need to see his coaching record, um, there it is. One trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. Barefoot? Yeah. And he's sixth all-time in wins. So, you know what? I'm going to start, everybody. And... Hold on. <laughs> we might get another text from Anthony, but at least we'll still be able to see him on this one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start everybody. I'm going to buy everybody around on this. I mean, if on if, if you don't have a great coach that's a Jack Adams winning coach, you should be lining up to get Paul Maurice right now. That's It's just that simple to me. Guy's one of the best coaches in NHL history. He just hasn't been able to cash in on success yet. It, for a guy that plays predominantly in small markets, wow, what a job he's done. He did have two years in Toronto, but they were unsuccessful. You got to wonder how he would do in one of those bigger markets if it gave him another chance, Phil. Oh, yeah. I, I would imagine that if um, anyone that has any type of coaching vacancy or a potential one coming up, Paul Maurice is probably not going to be without a job for not very long. And if he doesn't get hi hired by a team, he's probably going to go be an analyst because he's an incredible hockey mind. He really is. So, um, I, this is obviously the round that he should be picked up. He, he, will, he will be. Hold on, Anthony. Uh, shot not, and not because he's not a good coach. He's a great coach, but I mean, if you saw his press conference when he resigned from Winnipeg, he he basically said that he was fighting it hard to go to the rink every day, uh, almost like he just lost his desire to coach, basically. Um, you know, and because of that. I don't think he's definitely doesn't seem like he's in a rush to coach again at this point. Um, I don't think he's actively seeking it out. I mean, maybe eventually he coaches again. Um, but right now I don't think he has any interest in coaching um, based on how he stepped aside in, in, you know, Winnipeg. I mean, listen, if this guy got fired, you know, then I think, you know, Winnipeg would have been dumb because he's a great coach. And I think a lot of people would be knocking down his door but I don't think if that's going to happen, I think he just kind of wants to step aside for now. And for whatever reason, um, you know, he kind of lost his lust to coach at this moment. So for that, I'm going to say shot, but he is a great coach. Given everything that he's been through in the last year and what a lot of coaches and players have had to deal with, it's more than understandable that he's having trouble trying to get to the rank. Uh, I mean, we've all had that problem with just, life and it's it's just hard right now but hopefully again i don't you know, you know what i don't know if if it's necessarily just his overall lack of desire to, to coach 
as much as it is just being there in the situation itself. Like, I mean, yeah, it's got to be weighing hard on him that he, he couldn't get the job done. And, and he, he's right about everything he said. That's the first time I've ever seen a coach take full accountability for everything like that, even though it's not really all his fault, especially that his star center went out and got himself suspended on a stupid play in the playoffs, basically eliminating his team. So, um, I again, I don't know if, like I said, if it's him just not having the desire to coach as much as it might be something that's going on behind the scenes in that location that just kind of dampened his spirits being there in that location with that team. So well, we're gonna we're gonna see about that soon enough. Yeah, I, I, I would be. I would, Again, if I had a team and I didn't have a, a great coach in, in play, like I'm, I'm happy with the Rangers having Gerard Gallant, for instance, and the Islanders having Barry Trotz. But if, say, for instance, is the Devils fired Lindy Ruff, I'd drive a dump truck full of money up to his house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Guys, the current 16 teams in the playoffs will be the 16 teams in May. So we could just draw the line. And if you need a refresher, here we go. There's what we got in the East, Carolina, Washington, Rangers, Tampa, Toronto, Florida. There's the two wild cards and Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, uh, Vegas, Anaheim, Calgary, and the wild cards of Colorado and Edmonton. So Anthony, let's start with you. Cause I hope the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it's uh, a beer for me. Um, I think in the East, it's a little harder because I, I think, you know, we all know Tampa, Toronto, Florida will be there, Carolina, Washington, um, and likely the Rangers too. Uh, just Pittsburgh, that really just leads to two wildcard teams right now, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh, and Detroit. Um, and even Pittsburgh, I'd have, I have a hard time seeing how they would fall out. But, um, you know, Detroit's three points up on Boston. I know I said I like them better than Boston. Um, but, you know, Columbus is in shouting, dif- in shouting distance. Uh, you know, you have, you have Philly kind of still lurking. They have the same amount of points as Columbus, 29. Um, and, you know, hey, in, in my case, you know, I, I really hope the Islanders can rattle off, you know, you know, six, seven wins in a row and get back in it. Um, but, you know, it's it's not uncommon that, you know, couple, two teams maybe flip-flop or a team in nine and ten squeak in throughout the course of the season. Um, and out West, you know, Winnipeg right now is on the outside looking in. And I do think that they ultimately make the playoffs. So um, that's why I'm, I'm saying beer because uh, I'm just not sold on the East. But I am confident Winnipeg is going to get in. Mr. Fogowski. I'm going to say beer because I, I think in the, the West, I think the teams that are in it now are going to make it. Um, I don't see Winnipeg beating out Edmonton because I think Edmonton, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are not playing their best hockey right now. They're going to get back into the rhythm that they were in, and that's going to propel that team. And that team is going to make a move at the deadline. They're going to make a big move at the deadline. They're going to find a way to make space, prorated contract. They're going to go make a move. I'm telling you right now they will because if that team misses the playoffs – then that starts at beckoning the question about whether Connor McDavid wants to stay in Edmonton or not. And management there is not going to want to risk that in the slightest bit. 
So they are going to do everything that they can to show Connor McDavid that they are serious about taking that next step to get towards contender status. Um, in the East, call me crazy, but if Ryan Ellis is coming back, I can see Philadelphia making moves. Um, I, I, I think there's talent there. Cam Atkinson is starting to play better. Uh, new coaching change always brings out the best in, in players. They always respond to it. Uh, I, I just don't know if Detroit is experienced enough to be able to sustain the type of play that they're playing at right now and keep that going down the stretch when the games are going to get tougher, they're going to get harder, and the calls are, the whistles are going to be a little more in the pockets. So uh, I, I don't think in the East, I, I think Detroit's going to fall out of it. But uh, in the West, I think, I think we're looking at the same teams. I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to say this is it. Bye to everybody around. Uh, I'm going to say Detroit finds a way to hang on. I think Eisenman might make a couple deals to keep them in the number eight spot. The The, the top seven is set. It's over. Uh, as far as the West goes, if you're telling me that your two worst teams are Colorado, who I think has got a big run in them to move up in the standings, and Edmonton, ooh, <laughs> I, I just have too many thoughts with Edmonton. I don't. I don't know. I, I Winnipeg could do it. Philadelphia could do it. I, I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. That Philadelphia could do it. Like I, I would give Columbus, I think, more of a chance off the top of my head. But I, I think you feel. I think you might be onto something on there, Phil. But the this team or the, these teams, I, I just don't see it. I I I see the line of demarcation, and I don't see a fall off from. Any of the four Metro teams, I can tell you that. And the top three teams, the Atlantic, they're right there. St. Louis is good. Nashville's good. Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota just had their worst game of the year the other night. Um, where the where the, the fans in Dallas were chanting, we won Talbot when they had the empty net. That was hilarious. But it's just, no, I, I I almost think it's over. I think, if, sorry, Anthony, but that would include the Islanders. It's it's going to take some good efforts from teams in the second half or in uh, 2022 part of the season. Is, has anyone noticed one thing that sticks out in the standings right now? Nashville uh, is second in the yes. Central with 39 mm -hmm. points and has played the same amount of games as Minnesota. Like, they were out of the picture. Now they're in second place? Like, yeah. What is going on in Nashville? On a, they went on a really good run. Yeah. They went on a good run. I think it was a nine-game winning streak. Uh, I think it was in November that they did that. And then Nashville, Nashville basically made a statement when they came to the East Coast and swept the three New York area teams. And I'm trying to remember the fourth team. I think it was Philadelphia they played as the fourth team in that. But Nashville's, Nashville's a strong team this year. They might not seem like it on paper, but they are. And the competitive rebuild's going real, really well. And you know what? It's redemption for John Hines. There you go. <laughs> All yeah. right. So, guys, that's going to be the end of our bar talk today. And uh, thank you all for joining us. I you missed get, you, I, you missed one again. Oh, I missed one. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what? This is this is why I do these all on Tuesday. Hold on. <laughs> we got more for you. All right. We got more. Oh my god. Let me just get that in. Everybody, wow. <laughs>
And by the way, I think it's wow. a doozy. This one is, to be honest with you, I think that's. Oh, I think this is a good one. So let's just copy, slide it on over. We got so, you know what? We like so much to do this for you that we're gonna do that right now. Almost there. Just gotta get a space in there, and I like that his name is spelled correctly too. All right, here we go, everybody. The Coyotes will get their asking price if they trade Jacob Chikrin. I wonder who proposed this question, Mr. LaRocco. Yes, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, last week, Elliot Freeman said that the Coyotes are um, gauging the trade market on Chikrin, taking calls. Uh, and just the other day, I saw that their asking price is similar to what Buffalo is asking for Eichel, like four pieces. Um Listen, Jacob Chikrin had a fantastic year this year. Uh, last year, he's so this year he's not having so much of a great year. But let's face it, the Coyotes complete tire fire. Um, this is a young defenseman signed for I think three or four more years of uh, like a cap hit of like four point one, I believe, top of my head. Um, you know, and he's I, I think at his age and being a, a top defenseman, I think many teams are going to come knocking on that door. Um, he's basically the last really good piece the Coyotes have. Um, so I think if they do make this trade, they're going to want to make sure they're, they're set up, um, you know, with some good draft capital and prospects. Um, and defensemen like him don't grow on trees, my friend. So um, I'm going to I'm going to go round. I, I mean, I'm not saying they're all going to be like, you know, Trevor Zegers type pieces, but I think they are going to get a good haul for him if they trade him being I think because he's going to be far and away the best player on the trade market come the deadline if they move him. Um, I, I really do think he's that good. He's just on a really bad team this year. Uh, and I think he could help a lot of teams. So, um, you know, if if the Coyotes have, you know, 30, 29, 28 teams calling on him, maybe maybe realistically 20 teams with serious interest, um, I think they're going to have their pick of a litter in terms of the return. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go round. I don't blame you for going round. Uh, Phil, Beer. Uh, the reason why I say that is because while there would be a ton of interest around the league, one he has a no, uh, he has a ten team no trade. So ten teams right off the bat are not going to be in that race. Even with that said, there's still going to be a lot of interest. Um, two, the other thing is that a lot of these teams and general managers start with their asking prices around the moon. And then they end up coming back down to earth. That's what negotiations are. Um, I I do think they could get three really good assets for Jacob Chikrin. Um, he's young. He is 23 years old. The problem with Jacob Chikrin is, is that he's only had one really good year. And I think a lot of teams are going to bring that up in negotiations. They're going to look at it and say, hey, other than last year, which was a short year, he has not had this type of production or anywhere close to it in any other stretch of his career. And this year is not his fault. That team is a tire fire on wheels on ice. Like there is no control over where that poor excuse of a ship is going. So um, <laughs> yeah, they will, they will get a good return, but the return that they were asking for I, I doubt that unless some team is really desperate and overpays for it, which is possible, but I, I don't think I, I don't think that's happening. So I uh, say beer. 
I'm going to go beer as well. Uh, as soon as it clicks on, there we go. And I do have to say, looking at some of the other uh, factors in this, this isn't exactly the Jack Eichel saga either. You got a guy coming off a really good season and could really be a difference maker. Like a team could really use him. His contract he's got after this season, it's $4.6 million for the next three years. Uh, f- uh, three years still. Phil, it's a modified no trade yeah. after 23 yeah. 24. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I, I, I get that, but it, it's still, he's got a, he, and that's if they trade him now. If, yeah. If it, if they trade him in the off season, then that, that clause kicks in. Oh no, actually, yeah. no, no, that kicks in if the 2023, 24. All right. Never mind. So that's, that's yeah. The, uh, so, but, but I mean, there's a lot of teams that could really go for him right now. Um, he is from Boca Raton, Florida. The Panthers could always go for him. Hell, I mean, obviously Tampa Bay could fit him under the salary Ooh, cap, considering the that they'll just roll, they'll man. just put everyone on IR until the playoffs. Um, there's there's a lot of teams that could use him. I don't know where the contender is that's actually getting him. Like, can you guys think of somebody off the top of your head that you? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a content. I, I I think based on his contract status and his age. I think teams that aren't a top contender right at this moment would also consider trading for him. I mean, the Islanders are a perfect example. I mean, they they have a big, huge need on on the left side to replace Nick Letty. I don't think the Islanders have the assets anymore. And well, that that is definitely a conversation. But Elliot Friedman in his thirty two thoughts column, he said he he wonders if if Lou Lamorello um, is going to try to get Chitrin. And then he said, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to, which we've made jokes about on this show before. Then he went on to say, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about it though, because then, because then Lou will get word of it and you know, he won't, he won't do anything. But, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Phil Burns is a good point, but I, I do think like, again, teams like the Islanders may not necessarily make the playoffs are, are definitely going to be interested. Yeah. in Chitrin. But my but, problem but here's is the thing. Lou Lamorello is one of those guys that doesn't overpay for players. We all know this. So is he going to go out and overpay for Chikrin? Especially when the market starts to heat up for him? I I just don't know if I see Lou Lamorello getting into a bidding war for him. Well, if the Coyotes ask for Oliver Wallstrom, I think the conversation stops. That's that's the thing. Um, If they ask for Beauvillier. Well, they didn't want to deal Beauvillier for Sam Girard. Yeah. And Sam Girard's on that level, at least. I think um, so. I mean, I had a friend of mine ask me, it was all, you think the Rangers should go after Jacob Trickin? And my answer was kind of why. And uh, the reason why is because if you're going to get him to be a power play trigger man, that he's not on power play one, he'd be on power play two. And Nils Lundqvist can develop into that. And you don't really have to do much with him. Uh, you, what assets, you're giving up assets. I see Sean's, uh, trade that he proposed it's not bad but then you're weakening the third line to get chikrin uh his his was oh, i'll put it up on the screen yeah uh, i saw his before yeah, yeah. Craft Craft off, oh good all right yeah it, 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 and, and arizona's probably not gonna go for something like that I, I mean i get patrick nemeth would have to be in there for salary purposes but here's the thing you go and you get jacob chikrin you stick him on your second pairing and I, I would move Keandre Miller for him. I, I'd have no problem doing that deal. If they, if they said, we want Keandre Miller, okay, fine. 
I'll throw Keandre Miller in that. I think, that's a, I think that's a no-brainer if you do that. I, and, yeah. and you know what? The only reason why I would say that's a better move to make for the Rangers is because their depth of defensive prospects. Yeah, they don't. You don't. You don't have to worry about. It. You, you got a Schneider. You got. You got Jones. You got all these guys. That how are, do you fit in the salary? And then not only that, but after three years, you have to resign him. And then you're going to have to give him what seven million. So you you'd have to move Jacob Truba then, and then you would have to hope at that point that Nils Lundqvist or and or Braden Schneider are yeah. going to be available to step into that top four role. So it. it it does create a bit of an issue, but yeah, there there is a fit for the Rangers, especially on the left side where they need some significant help. And, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see because I think he's the one major piece that people are going to look at. And I think, Anthony, you know what? I think Anthony's onto something when he says non-playoff teams, like say, for instance, the Ottawa Senators are going to oh, check no, in totally on I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree with him. I, there are going to be a lot of teams that would be in a, and, that, and now considering that the, the no trade doesn't kick in until 2023. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of, I think all 30 teams would at least kick the tires on him. Yeah. So, yeah. And a matter of fact, and even if you want to say the Islanders, let's say it's a, a first, a second, and Atu Ratu. So they or, or is it Anthony? Is it Roddy or Ratu? It, it, it's Ratu. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I, I've seen people pronounce it ratty as well. But I think it's ratty. yeah. But it, 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 it's it's ratu. It, right. Keep this keep this in mind about ratty are are wrong. Keep this in mind about Arizona too. When it comes to making a trade like this, they have five second round picks this year and three first round picks. So if they if they trade Chikrin, they're going to just add even more draft capital. So we could laugh at them right now because they're a tire fire. But having having eight picks in the first two rounds and potentially nine or 10, if they make that trade, they're here's the question they're for me. set up here. Here's the question for me. If they do not, or if they, if they pull this move and they, they trade Chipper and they get another first round of this year's draft and they don't win the lottery, and get Shane, right. Does a team take Arizona's offer? If Arizona calls them up and says, We'll trade you two of our firsts for, and then whatever other assets to get that first overall pick and get Shane right. I think if, let's say, for instance, the New Jersey Devils gets the first overall pick, a trade's in play. I think a trade would be in play. There would be several I don't teams know about that. that. It, well, because again, you can't have all these guys on the same team. I mean, then a trade either trades in play for one of two things. It would either be to. You know what? I'm not even going to say that out loud. Now it's starting to sound stupid in my brain. Well, it, it, I think it, the Devils are set at center. It's it's conceivable in the trick or trade they can get a first, let's say, and a second. That that would mean four first round picks and six and six second round picks. Um, that they, I mean, they could do some serious shopping with that too in terms of getting some NHL talent for the following, you know, for for next year. Here's what I wonder. And, and something else that just like popped into my head next year's draft with Bedard and Mitch Cobb at the top of it is going to be ridiculous. And Arizona is going to be bad again next year. Do you trade for next year's picks and ensure your chances at Connor Bedard? Because Connor Bedard is being talked about as the next generational talent. And that made Mitch Cobb is talked about as being one of the best snipers to come through the NHL draft in a very very long time. Well, are you going to be in a? Are you going to be in a um 
Matthews line a situation or a Crosby and Ovechkin situation if they were both in the same draft year. That's what you would hope for, where you can't miss. But on the other hand, Patrick Line can't notice he's not in Winnipeg anymore. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think Patrick Line was, or, or even Austin Matthews is on either of these two levels as. Oh, I was just talking about the levels of can't miss players or anything else. So, although, you wait, you don't, you don't think Austin Matthews on on their level? Austin, Austin Matthews as a prospect was viewed as a potential franchise player. These two players, Bedard and Mitchkov, are. And Ariana's right. A team in a position to draft Bedard isn't trading that pick either. But what if you put together a package that would absolutely blow the socks off that you could rebuild your team in an entire year? Look at Edmonton. They've got they've got McDry, but what else do they have after that? No. And yeah. So I, I mean, Bedard right now. And I, I've watched a ton of film on him. I, I've I've gone through game film. I've gone through reviews and evaluations of him. I, I, I've looked up so much about him. He shoots the puck better than anyone I've ever seen at 16 years old. His shot is like near NHL elite level status. It, it's approaching that at 16 years old. His his change of pace, his deceptions, his skating. His hockey IQ, it's next level. This kid is a cantabus. And Mitchkov, as a sniper, he might be one of the most dynamic Russians I think I've seen since Pablo Burry. Like, I'm telling you right now, these kids are going to dominate at that next level. Yeah, and that's why I, I think um, I had this comment. I think a lot of teams have that in mind about Bedard and Mitchkov, and I don't think a lot of teams are going to be willing at this point even – risk of moving next year's first in the event that something happens where they're in the lottery and they can you know, have a chance of getting that top pick. Yeah, See, but that, that's a good point. But by the way, one of the things I'll tell you about that is there's going to be the teams that don't think they're in the, 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 uh, the lottery next year that might trade their pick because they're competitive this year. Taking it like take for instance, the, I'm just using it for an example, the flyers. They're going to go, they go on a run. They, they get the last wild card and they're like, Oh, you, we can do something to the playoffs. They trade away the first round pick, which I think is gone anyway, but I'm just saying that for an example, like a, a team might reach like Edmonton Oilers. They might try to do that. And then totally. Could you imagine if Edmonton ended up like absolutely losing out somehow in some sort of crazy way, lost out. And then all of a sudden they ended up in the, the in the, the lottery next year. <laughs> Again, again, you can't have all those guys on the same team eventually. A matter, right. a matter of fact, it, it's just it would it would be ridiculous. And that would be the, totally the Edmonton thing, but they still wouldn't be able to win anything, so it would be all right. <laughs> okay. All right. So by the way, also everybody, uh, thank you, Sean, for reminding me about this. But I want my Philk wrestling. So uh so we're going to move on right now. So what do you think about the rest of our topics? Do you think, what would you give up for Jacob Chikrin to come to your team right now this season? Especially with, that is a sweetheart deal, $4.6 and $4.6 over the next uh, three years also. So uh, then you have Paul Maurice. Would you be winding up to get him to coach for your team? 
Nazem Kadri putting together a great season. Should the Islanders repair Wallstrom and Barzell or pair them up, I should say. Throw it all down in the comments below. So I heard there's a rumor that this Christmas is coming on Saturday. And we put together our naughty and nice list. This is where we're just each selecting one nice player and one naughty player or executive or anything else. And uh, no, the Blackhawks are not on here. But it's uh, we're going to go with first our nice list. And, John, what is your nice player? Well, my nice player is Austin Matthews because Austin Matthews entering the month of December was 10 goals behind the league leader in goals in the NHL, Leon Dreisaitl. And as of right now, he's only three behind Leon Dreisaitl. Austin Matthews has 20 goals in 27 games. And just to do a little math, that is 61 or 60.7 goals over an 82-game season. That's ridiculous. And if there's anybody that has the potential, aside from Alexander Ovechkin this year, that is, uh, to break the 60-goal mark, again, it's Austin friggin' Matthews. So, yeah, Austin Matthews is on my nice list, and I think he'd be on all uh, Torontonians' nice list. <laughs> um, I'm going to go next for mine, so that way, because we, we got a video for Anthony's. And by the way, that's the one downside for being an American and not seeing them in the Olympics, not seeing Austin Matthews put on that Team USA jersey for the Olympics. He still might do it later on for uh, the world championships. My nice guy is Robin Leonard. Um, you know what? You're going to tell me that you're still going to honor your old team. He has been nothing but nice about the New York Islanders since leaving them. And he didn't want to leave. Uh, they lowballed him, and then he ended up signing with the Blackhawks. And um, I, I, he's just a genuine guy, has the tattoo on his neck, had the standing ovation, and then he beat his old team on uh, on Sunday, which uh, actually I actually had a full game recaps that I was going to go with, but then we decided to just keep going. So uh, Robin Leonard, you know what? Uh, I got to put him as my nice guy. Anthony. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. So, uh, Anthony, you're a nice guy. Uh, Dylan Larkin. Uh, <laughs> as we all know, um, beer is precious to, to individuals, uh, and they're overpriced <laughs> at sporting events. And uh, Dylan Larkin accidentally knocked over um, these two fans' beer as he jumped the, he jumped on the glass in warm-ups, um, and he actually had the presence to realize that he did it. And he went a step further uh, and had the team purchase new beers for him. Um, and I think that's just that's I think that's a really great gesture. It just kind of shows the type of people hockey players are. Um, we really are a different breed. Um, and good on him for realizing that and doing the right thing. And I'm sure he made those fans day. And it's a great story. So uh, good on you, Dylan Larkin, for for doing that. I think I think a lot of uh, a lot of players may not even realize it happened or even. Or even think about, you know, kind of replacing it for him. So um, I thought that was really nice of Larkin. Um, you know, it's just one of those feel-good things. So good on him. 
Uh, and by the way, this is the video from it. Like. Oh, I can't handle it. Oh, sorry. Oh no. Oh no. I feel, I feel terrible. Did you knock their beer off? Yeah, sorry. Hey. Where'd Zuby go? Zuby! You got your you got your wallet on you? Yeah. You got 20 bucks? I think so. I got 20 bucks in my dry cell. I knocked over the guy's beer. You got what? I knocked over the guy's beer. Oh. I feel bad. Right, be right behind the net. See him? In the gray or in the red red wing sweatshirt. First roll. Yeah. That's awesome. That's just awesome. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be so cool if my my laptop wasn't lagging so I could watch the video again. But yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. worry, don't worry. I can always send it to you. No, um, I, mean, I just I'm just commenting on how lag is going on with me. So, yeah, it happens to the best of us. So on to our naughty list, and I got to start with John, Mister Filkowski. What do you got for me on the naughty list? Vander Kane. Vander Kane has uh, he he. If there was a naughty tree, Vander Kane fell out of it and hit every damn branch possible on the way down. <laughs> so uh, I mean, you're you're getting into all this controversy, uh, all the stuff going on off the ice. Then the team wants to get rid of him, and now all of a sudden, uh, it just all this other nonsense that's going on with him I, he just he's his own worst enemy he th th this man is literally his own worst enemy he i mean he goes and plays in an ahl game and he has guys going after him <laughs> he's just uh, he needs to he needs to snap out of whatever he's doing and he needs to grow the hell up so he's on uh my naughty list he's a guy that josh hosang would probably find immature <laughs> um <laughs> I'm going to go to my naughty guy, which, you know, I said originally I'd abstain in case of you guys would do it, but then we didn't use them. So I got to go with PK Subban. PK, you're going to be a dynamite broadcaster. Stop with the slew foots. I, I can't say it enough. And unfortunately, Sammy Blay is done for the rest of the year because of him. Uh, he took down uh, Trevor Zegras. And there was one other guy that I know that he took down this year. It's just, no, no, no. Too good of a player to be doing this. And okay. I, I, and again, you're going to be, he's going to be a great, not good, a great NHL analyst and NHL personality. But if you're going to have these videos about you, it's going to end up ruining your second career. So stop. Anthony. Uh, Brett Connolly. Um, you know, he, he put a hit on Tanner Caro in Dallas that was oh. predatory. Um, I mean, granted, he, he might have thought that he was about to get the puck, but um, he just kind of ran over him. It was a high hit. Uh, it knocked out Caro. Caro was was rendered unconscious. Um, it was it was a scary scene. Uh, and Brett Connolly was suspended four games for it, and rightfully no, so. Um, you know, you got to be smarter than that. You have to have some more 
more respect for your, you know, your fellow NHL players. Um, and I thought it was, and it was late. He didn't have the puck. It was high. It had all the makings of a suspendable hit. Uh, and I'm glad that the league um, came down on for it. And I actually saw the, uh, like the post game of that, they interviewed uh, Pavelski. I don't know if you guys saw it. And he actually literally legitimately got choked up talking about it because he remembered um, the hit that happened to him when he was on San Jose uh, and, you know, he referenced it's always scary to see a, a teammate and, you know, a good person like that in such, um, you know, uh, such a bad state laying on the ice. So um, no need for that in our game. Uh, no. Brett Connolly, you should know better. Um, and I'm glad that the league, uh, you know, handed him a four-game suspension. In my opinion, it could have been even a little more, but um, I'm glad that he got suspended and I did the right thing. But most importantly, I hear Caro's, you know, he, he was okay and he'll, he'll make a full recovery, but it, it was a scary hit. Yeah, and, and, and there's no need for that hit. And, and unlike, unlike with Jujar Kyra, and, and, you know, Dave right here pointed to that, that the Chicago fans were comparing that to Truba's hits, which is a load of crap. Um, you honestly, if you're comparing those two hits, you you're so off base. It's not even funny, but Seth Jones threw what we call a suicide or a buddy pass to Jujar Kyra and put Jujar Kyra in a bad position. The puck was there. Brett Connolly had every intention of taking Tatarkiro's head off and you could see it. He comes from a distance to do so. And then all of a sudden, he, he, the puck doesn't really even get to him and he, and he takes him out and he didn't even have to do that. He could have slowed up and he could have just, you know, gave him a nudge and just knocked him down instead of absolutely driving right through him and absolutely walloping him. There was, even if Tanner Kiro gets that puck and turns around, all is it going, all that it's going to take with him being in that position is just a nudge. And he's going to be caught off balance. He's going to be caught in a prone position. And he's just going to get knocked down. He's going to lose the puck. You don't have to do much to separate the player from the puck there. And that's the point of a body check. But Brett Connolly had every intention of taking his head off. And he, he did. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely with Anthony on the uh, the naughty for Brett Connolly. By the way, uh, Isles Girl, this is the first time I've seen you on here. Welcome to the show. Yeah, that and... that's uh, that, I'm pretty sure that's the that girl, Kim. Uh, that I see her sometimes on Twitter. Oh, nice. But, uh, well, yeah, again, she, she's been featured on uh, MSG network and stuff like that. So welcome to the oh, show. Great. All right. So yeah. Cause again, we, we, we talk everything, not just Rangers and everything yeah. else. We like to talk about the Islanders too, but it's, it, it, there's been other people we could put in the naughty list this year all over the place. I made the joke about the Blackhawks cl- clearly, <laughs> um, their entire organization could be in there right now. Yeah, but that's um, too obvious. I mean, that's a little bit too obvious. And, and uh, it's the, the NHL Cowboys. and themselves, the way they've handled the COVID protocols and situations, yeah. like I said, they screwed the they screwed the Islanders. Um, they they could have delayed the UBS they opening. The Senators too. Yeah. So there's 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 two of them. Um, and COVID itself could be on the naughty list because after all. That's basically one reason why a lot of these teams are having financial problems like right now. Um, and there's a lot of the other, we could talk about the other nice stuff. Obviously Connor McDavid can make all these lists. So we don't, we don't need to, we don't need to do that. Um, he's certainly helping my fantasy team. 
Uh, I mean, Nazem Kadri could. I mean, he he he's been a blessing for Colorado with Nathan McKinnon out for as long as uh, he was. Nazem Kadri could make both these lists because, as I said before, <laughs> it's only a matter of time till he gets suspended for hitting somebody the wrong way. You're right. It's probably going to happen. I mean, um, I know we've all been really hard on him over the last couple of years or so. And that's what I said before, Kim. I, I, I said that Ottawa and the Islanders were literally the guinea pigs. I literally said those words earlier on. So, But um, I, every Ranger fan has been hard on him over the last couple of years. But Alexander Georgiev, where's the love for him stepping up? So he could be on my nice list this year. Uh, you know what? Chris T's got a good one. Justin Trudeau could be on the naughty list. Because some of their policies, putting the just really killing the season. Um, but you know what, Alexander Georgiev, yeah, you know he stepped up, and like I said, when he stepped when he stepped into the net in that Chicago game with that save percentage, the only way he could he could have missed. Yeah, uh, Drake, the only way he could have had that low of a save percentage was to actually dodge shots. But yeah, Drake Batherson, I got him on my fantasy team. What about uh, Jacob Markstrom? Would be another one stepping up big time for Calgary. Stepping he's, up he's big time. But I, well, you got him, and you got uh, uh, Campbell, Daryl Sutter, who's a great Darryl reason Sutter, for Calgary yeah. success. Yeah. How, how much does Calgary look like the LA Kings of old right now? Yeah, they they do. Just just minus minus the the great center depth and the and the. And aside from Johnny Gaudreau, the big top-end talent, I, I just don't know if they have the pieces to, to win it all. But, again, if you uh, if you make a move at the deadline, who knows? Yeah. And you know what? We'll stick with the Islander theme for a minute because I know Anthony would say Ilya Sorokin is definitely on the nice list yeah. because where would the Islanders be without him? I, I've said this before. Islanders would, would be a lottery team and they wouldn't even come – they wouldn't have a chance – at even making the playoffs right now. They would have zero chance if it wasn't for the play of Ilya Sorokin. He's been a godsend for that team. David, that's a great one because Bruce Bruce Boudreaux, I've said it before, even though I've called him hockey's Marty Schottenheimer, but he's it's I would love it if this guy could have any success. I would love it if he could just run off a team and win a Stanley Cup. Cause everybody Everybody that talks about Bruce Boudreaux says how he's the nicest guy. I would have to and... agree with Kim on the Georgiev thing. I, I, I think I think once Igor gets back and he really starts getting the majority of the starts again, it's probably going to hurt Georgiev a bit. And I definitely agree with Chris here. Chandler Stevenson, who didn't look anything like a top six center before last year, and then even last year, he really was like we were all talking about how they need somebody better than Chandler Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jack Eichel would be a fit for Vegas, and, and Chandler Stevenson is now like, oh, you want to go get Jack Eichel? Oh, I'll just turn myself into a point per game player. No big yeah. deal. And you know, uh, it, it actually. And by the way, I'm, I'm happy when some of this stuff happens, and my predictions are wrong. But I made the prediction back when they acquired Eichel, and they were sort of, they were. Vegas was not playing well. They were a bit of a tailspin. I'm going to pull Anthony out for a little bit until he pulls himself back in. Um, I thought I was out, but they pulled me back in. They pulled me back in. I made the prediction that Vegas is going to miss the playoffs and Pete DeBoer was going to get fired. 
now it's looking like not only do they have a top line where Chandler Stevenson can play between Pacioretty and Stone, but in a month or two, you can get Jack Eichel on that team. Um, that could change around a lot. Gonna, you're going to get Jack Eichel on that line eventually. That's going to move Chandler Stevenson down to your third line. Where And think about that one-two-three punch. If that one-two-three punch is not the very best in the league, it's got to be right behind, I would say, maybe Pittsburgh with, with Crosby, Malkin, and Carter. I would that, say, and 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 by the way, Roy is coming along. Or wait, Roy or Wah? I think it's Wah. Uh, sorry, Matt Wah. Matt Wah. Sorry, my mistake. Oh, Nick, uh, Nick, sorry. Nick Wah, sorry. Uh, but Wah's coming along great. He's Matt. tied his uh, career total from last year. I mean, I would actually keep Eichel away from uh, – I would keep that stevenson patcheretti stone line together, and I'd, I'd, I'd try to do something else with Eichel. I, I just don't think Eichel is going on your third line. I, I think if anything, Chandler-Stevenson would be, would be more – You're playing a top nine, not a top six. Uh, your audio is low, Mark. Oh, did, did it do that again? I found it out from last time. Hold on. Why would? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it um, automatically adjusts and moves down. So yeah, now, I, now I don't, I don't understand why it would do, do that out of nowhere. So I, I, I just don't think you, you trade all those assets for Jack Eichel and then have him come in and be your third line center. I, I, I just can't see it. I can't. But again, I got to bring David back into this one. If he's not playing, if I think the he is referring to Stevenson. If he's not playing with Stone and Pacioretty, is he still producing in the same way? Probably not because he's going to be getting less minutes. And, he, you know, he, he'll probably still get power play time, but he's going to be playing on a third. Just think of the Rangers' third line in 2014 with Broussard, Pouliot, and Zuccarello. Did Broussard and Zuccarello belong on a third line? Oh, no. No, no they didn't. But that third line was probably the best third line in the entire NHL. And the Rangers balanced out their top three lines. And they there was no real second, first, or, or third line. It was just whatever line they AB wanted to go with, he went with. But I, I, I don't know. I just don't see Jack Eichel being on, quote-unquote, their third line. But remember what you say about Ryan Strom, about taking Ryan Strom away from Panarin. The chemistry's I, there. I, I, I get it, but I don't know if you can necessarily do that with someone as elite as Jack Eichel. It's, it, that's apples to oranges, Mark. Yeah. And by the way, I do have to say this. The great thing about hockey, you could try it in one game, and if it doesn't work, you you, you could – Change it on the next shift. You don't have to be stuck. Yeah, on that. exactly. <laughs> so you're right. It's it's not like a batting order. Um, uh, Eichel is a one C. Would also fit as a two C. Yep. So by the way, that's gonna we're gonna conclude right now with the naughty and nice list to go right to Q and A, guys. Thank you very much. Are there any other players you'd want to put on the nice list, and players you want to put on the naughty list? And just let us all know. Throw it down in the comments below. All right. Uh, you, you, like I said before, and I, I kind of smiled and joked about it. I did have the game recaps where, uh, where we could have talked about both teams this week in the, in the New York area giving up a late goal to uh, Vegas. Vegas. But yeah. when, whenever there's a game afterwards, check to see uh, this man right here. 
the good, the bad, the ugly. We might rename it for the late night uh, for the late night pucks or something like that, or other things to throw for Filk. But um, he always does a good, bad, and ugly after the game. Yeah. And just go through the thoughts, put it on the Facebook page. If not, he'll do a video. Um, yeah, I, I do that with the Rangers. Anthony's is uh, clapping bombs for the Islanders. So if you want to watch Islander material, Anthony's usually really good with all that. Um, uh, hold on. I, I All right. I just saw this question pop up. What are the odds the, the, the game happens on the 27th? Um, it's it's going to happen from the, the sound of it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see why they would call it off now. I don't, I, there's no, um, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't see how it, uh, that ends up getting called off now because there's no word necessarily of them, uh, kind of extending the, the pause. So, yeah, I, I actually think that they don't want to do the pause, Longer than the because tw- they're, they're coming back to the team facility on twenty sixth. Yeah, they they want to get going again, and they're going to come back. There's, you know what, Rich? That's a great name. I'm going to go with those. I'm going to show up those two names in a second. But <laughs> the um, the it's Thank it's looking like it, it's looking that. like they want to get back on the ice, and they're going to ease some protocols. I just don't un- I just don't know if uh, state and local officials. And uh, I guess provincial and country officials are in Canada will let them ease up. We'll see about that because everybody still thinks COVID zero is an, an option. Uh, but it is nice that it's always good to, to be up to date on news for everything. That way yeah. you can talk about it. And- yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll if you're up after the uh, the Ranger games, uh, I mean, I'm on usually, but 99.9% of them I will do. Um, if you're a part of the Facebook group, big apple hockey on Facebook, I usually post whether or not I'm going to do them. The only time I won't do them for the most part is if I have something I have to do afterwards or if I'm at the game itself. So, but again, it's, it's, it's nice that at least, cause I got a friend of mine, he runs all things Islanders and I keep encouraging. I'm like, John, come on. It's, I hope we're going to go out for a beer in about another hour and a half prior two hours probably and it's like dude come on you gotta like get more islander fans on here although i keep telling the story about it that we had we had a conversation me and anthony uh back at the beginning of november that islander fans like the show they just wish we talked more about the islanders and then after that the tampa game happened the the four game losing streak the covid and everything else it's sort of just been like sorry didn't mean to jinx you well, John, I feel like that that's sometimes misery loves company. So like if the Rangers were doing miserable, I, I feel like all the Ranger fans would flock in because they just want to vent. And I, I thought the Islander fans would come in and want to do that too. I mean, yeah, of course, you know, when everything's riding high, you, you know, you're right, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, we definitely want more Islanders content. We want to be able to do Devils content too, but it just it doesn't yeah. seem like we get many. We've had more Canes and Blackhawks and Avalanche fans in here than we've had Devils fans. Oh, well, we're we're eventually targeting world domination on this, but it's going to just take some time. So I also have to throw these two out of you, Philk. Uh, Dave threw out Philk's puck in reaction. I like that, but I also like the 
what the filk. Uh, it's <laughs> just what the filk. Yeah, what the filk. That, that's, that's that could actually be great. Oh, oh, my ongoing joke is we could talk to the devil fan. So, <laughs> oh, uh, Dan, by the way, uh, you're 100% right on this, and I did have an editorial. Uh, do we got a couple minutes for an on the mark? Your call, my friend. Your call. Okay. Uh, keep on, keep on with the comments and the questions coming. But Dan, I, I'm going to highlight this again in a second. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I normally I'd be in the chats with all of you, but I'm, my laptop is just lagged to no end right now, and the the video on my screen is moving like really slow uh, too. It it'll all be all right. Well, uh, I I could I could cover. I could do I could do both if you need me to. Not yeah. as entertaining, or you could just tell me when to click on it. But we're gonna do a, a quick on the mark for you guys. This prediction that's right up here. Being single most of my life. I just yell at Larry Brooks like every other New York Ranger. <laughs> so I gotta say, with all the different protocols and everything that was happening this week, I heard a very terrible, terrible story. But first, it's it's the question is how is all these protocols and everything affecting kids coming to the games. Now, there's uh, there was a six-year-old that a guy at the bar was telling me about. Kid loves hockey, plays, plays peewee hockey and everything. He was going to his first ever Ranger game. Hours before he was going to go, the protocol came up from New York on that he couldn't go because he – they were having the vaccine mandate for five to 12 year olds. They just announced that at the garden or in New York. And the, the, the kid was devastated by this. And I think about myself in uh, going to my first Met games, always with my, my mother and my grandfather. It was always such a, pl a great place to go, even though well, back then the Mets used to win. So it was, it was fantastic. And it's just, I'm wondering exactly if that'll end up hurting the next generation of hockey players and NHL players coming on in. This is supposed to be a place where all of us can get together. Uh, Madison Square Garden, UBS Arena, formerly Nassau Coliseum, uh, elsewhere. Uh, City Field, Shea Stadium, Yankee Stadium, Yankee Stadium. I said it twice because there is a brand new one. It's just there's so many places where we're, we're supposed to be getting everybody together. Doesn't matter who believes what or or just all of our opinions go aside the only opinion that matters is the team we root for and whether or not we like the sport that we're in front of i had a uh because i'm going to highlight that comment yet again dave because you have you coming in from california to watch the game and see your family and you don't know right now if the game's going to be played that's 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 terrible i went to nashville and part of the series that I, I'm going to try to do is going to every single arena. Uh, hopefully I could drag these guys along with me occasionally. And it's it, just, that's, you already made plans. You're flying out here. Thank goodness you're seeing family. But I mean, I'm, imagine if you come out and they just go, nah, the game's canceled. Then that's going to affect everything down the line. And it, it it's, uh, I'm going to bring Phil back in 
it's I, I wonder how it affects the fans and it affects it affects the kids that are going to the game because to me, seeing a baseball game with my grandfather was always the greatest thing. And it didn't matter what year it was with the Mets, whether it was 86 or it was 92. It it's it was it was something I always I always loved doing. Because seeing the game is what what happens. It, it sucks. It, it really does. It, it just, like I said, I'm over all of this. I really am. It, it, it's gotten tiring. It, it just seems like it's never ending. And at what point do we just, do we finally like realize that this isn't going anywhere? Uh, yeah. I, I'm down to go to every arena too. Uh, that's I, I I've gotten, I've gotten to go to Capital One Arena for the, the Capitals years back. TD Garden for Boston. Um, I always said I wanted to do Philly, but I'm definitely not wearing any type of Ranger stuff there because that's just asking for trouble. Um, but, yeah, and I, I, I feel bad for, for people that want to go to these games and stuff like that. It, you, you were told one thing, and now everything's changing, and, and all this stuff just keeps on happening. It just when, when is enough enough? I, I don't know. And it's it, it's a question on when does when do our public officials get pressure to change around their stance? Now, again, we're not trying to get into politics, um, and I'll go into the arena talk again in a second, especially when we just get out of this uh, this thing. But it's it, hearing it, it hearing that I couldn't go to a game, like. Even as a little kid, I, I it would be devastating. And after all, I, I went to a game one time after the day after uh, a friend of mine uh, died in a car accident. And the game was actually something that picked up my spirits again. And eventually I had to go and say goodbye to him. I, I understand this is, this is a public health issue. And I understand those people are thinking they're doing their best, but um, I think it's a couple of the things are right. It's just like, it'll never rich saying it'll never end. COVID will be over by, by 2030. It's we ha we've had so many different things and it's, it's just, are these policies really there for our benefit or is it just, I mean, sooner or later, yeah, yeah, the baby bird's got to leave the nest. You got to just trust us to do the right thing. And it, it I, I'm, I'm going to say something stupid, politically speaking, eventually, if I keep going on this. So, Phil, take it home. I'm just tired of it. I, I really am. It's eventually the world had to, to learn how to live with influenza and it's it, it, whether anyone likes it or not, it's going to have to happen again in, in order for the world to be able to move on. So I, I I'm, I'm done talking about this stuff. It's just, it, it's annoying. It, it's I'm over it. I really am. Yeah. Oh, wait, Dave, let's see what this one is. Uh, picking up my dad for PA, bringing you know, the whalers and yeah. Yeah, those will be again. Sports is a place where we all can get together, and right now it's it's being taken away from us. And I do question about the policies and everything else that are that are in place. 
But we are going to answer more of your questions right now. Let's put that one up there. Uh, it's it, the by the way for the arenas, the list of the arenas because we're doing this for the channel are now reset for me. But I did go to the Honda Center. Um, uh, let's see, the Honda Center, uh, Air Canada Center, the Bell Center. Uh, I've I've joked around about this before. Out of all the cities, oh what? You got Nashville out of the way too. Well, Nashville's now the first one on the list, and if we can include MSG because we did have that for the channel, I'll have to put that on there when Big Apple Hockey went to the preseason game for the Rangers and the Islanders. That was a great day. That was a great time. Uh, but I've I've joked around that I'm nervous about two cities, one being Philadelphia because they might not like me being a Ranger fan. The other one is uh, Winnipeg where it's 50 degrees in July. Ah. <laughs> can only imagine how that's going to be. But it'll be great to see. The, the whole purpose of the mark on the road, I know I put it in the ticker all the time, is to see um, how fan experiences go. There are other cities that I'm, I'm looking forward to in other events. Philk said he would be down to doing the uh, teddy bear toss in Calgary. So there's, there's so many... You, you did say that in one of the chats. Oh, no, I know what you're talking about. I was like, what the hell? And then, uh, no, I, I where they score, Where yeah, the hitman, they yeah, score the goal I, I and they all throw the teddy bears on. Through those. That, that, it, that wasn't Calgary. That was a WHL game. Oh, but they do they do, do it in that, though. I don't know that. In Calgary? I think it's Calgary. What was a Calgary I hitman? I don't, I don't think that. Oh, oh, and, oh, I thought you meant the Flames. I was about to say, what? No, no. Yeah, in the WHL they did it. I, yeah, it was. It was the Calgary hitting the yeah. But I did put up the video on there. You can check it out anytime. And um, uh, Bridgestone, if you haven't been there, gorgeous arena. And uh, you're right outside uh, Broadway in Nashville. The all the honky tonks, a great place to just go and just either hang out with the guys or just go just drink and stuff it's it, it's fantastic and the people there they were all really nice they were all great so um and chris t bring brings that name up once again the name that we were all trying to get over but he can't we can't escape it <laughs> but you yeah. can see no really pnc is the lotus arena San Jose is pretty loud too. Yeah. San Jose is very, very loud. I can't wait to see the Shark Tank. That's that's one of those ones I can honestly say I can't wait to see. Um, but by the way, uh Christy, going back to this one, um, I still maintain Booch had to go, but it's it, yeah, it's the idea of not playing Kratz off to finish him, uh, to plug the hole, but you know what? It's starting to look like Kako's making that jump again. He's what do you think? What do you make about Kako's recent play, John? The last five or so games have not really been great outside of, I would say the last game. Um, before that it, it, he was kind of down a bit and needed to be better. But the, the last game against Vegas, that first line looked really good. Um, so hopefully they could they could keep that up going forward. But um, 
Uh, I, I, I would, I, I've liked what I've seen to a point. I, I need more consistency from him. I, I, I don't, I, I need more. I, I just, it's, it's not, it's simply not enough from, uh, from him. The, one of the uh, things, one of the things just to mention though, with, uh, sorry, with uh, Panarin being out though, was Zabanajad filling in the Panarin spot and doing his thing, and it's kind of waking him up a little bit. Yeah, which was which was good. So maybe maybe Panarin being out and then only missing what a couple of games is actually going to be uh, a blessing in disguise because maybe it gets the Benajad going. The other thing with Butch Damage is when I look at back at it, Barkley Goodrow is not worth $3.6 million. And I think we all said that when he got that contract, the mm-hmm. day that we found out that what the terms on that contract were. So you could probably get somebody that's giving you, or somebody that could give you what Barkley Goodrow has given the Rangers for, I would say maybe a third of the, the AAV. So you're saving a good, at least what, 2 million by let's just say it's one to 1.2 million for whatever player. I mean, Dryden Hunt has been better than Barkley Goodrow this season so far. So let's just say you didn't sign Barkley Goodrow and you got someone like a Dryden Hunt, or maybe they don't got Michael Bunting instead of Barkley Goodrow. So you have two players that combine to make not even half of what Barkley Goodrow is making. And then you don't sign Patrick Nemeth and you sign John Merrill at 850K instead of Patrick Nemeth at 2.5 million. So you save another 2 million there. Even with Ryan Reeves making 1.75 million, you could find other ways to make the space for Pablo Butchnevich. And that's probably the most disappointing part about the entire offseason is if you overpaid Goodrow and Nemeth, the 6 million that you gave them could have went towards Butchnevich and a bunch of other players to, to round out that bottom six at that point. So that, that's what pisses me off. And if they were if they were going to alienate Kravtsov the way that they were going to do, then you shouldn't have traded Butchnevich at that point. You should have yeah. paid those two. And, and again, going to the Kravtsov situation, they kind of alienated him for Libor Hayek, which – that's that's just ridiculous. I want to put my head through a wall every time I think about that. That's why, why you know what you know what, Chris, you're on the yeah. naughty list for that one. I like a lot of your moves this year, but yeah, that's that's the naughty list on that one. Because we it was the day we did the live stream when Zabanajad signed. It was a Sunday, and I had uh I had work afterwards, but I, I, somebody said it to me. I forgot who it was. Might have been Granny, and I just went. Pfft. You know, the uh, if if they cut Kratz off, he's not going to be a Ranger ever again. You have no value. Well, he might not be a Ranger ever again, and right now he has no value. I, I see David's comment here in defense of Goudreau. He's a good fourth liner, can kill penalties. But the problem is, is that he's an offensive black hole. At three point six million, you've got to provide some sort of offense, and you knew that he was the he was the the Robin to Gord and Coleman's Batman. Yes, on that line, there, there I I completely understood that. I knew that he was never going to be worth two three point six million, but you've got to be at least worth two million. 
and he hasn't given you that type of production. His defense has been underwhelming. His penalty killing is decent, but there have been a lot of times where I've said to myself, why is Barkley Goudreau not in the right position to make the play defensively? And it, it's many more times than he, I should be saying. This, this is someone who was lauded as a great defensive player, but this reminds me so much of a modern-day Brian Scrudland, but not as good defensively. And I'm actually trying to look up right now, so I could say this to you with a little bit of a smile. More points right now, Barkley Goudreau or Blake Coleman? Uh, Blake Coleman. And I'm almost there. All right. Barkley Goudreau and him are tied in goals with four each. Goudreau actually has seven assists to Coleman's three. So and Coleman is playing. I think he's playing. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's getting top line minutes. Goudreau no, did not. for a little he's bit. Getting 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Here, here's the problem with that though. Calgary scoring. It, there's no depth in their scoring. Their number five scorer is Oliver Shillington with 15 points in 27 games. Yes. He's on pace for 40 points over 40 points. Rasmus Anderson has 15 points, no goals in 28 games. Sean Monahan is utter trash. He yeah. points in 28 games. He's not even on pace for 40 points, Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan has gone downhill. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I like, mean, I mean, what happened to that guy? Have? They have four players with 20 points. And then after that, there's a five point drop off. And they only have 10 players that have double-digit points. And one, two, three of those 10 are defensemen. Yeah, Rasmus oh, Anderson, 15 assists. That's not good. 15 assists, zero goals. That's what he, only has, just, he only has 42 shots on net this year. That's not... And, and, and yeah, and Mangiapati's been great. He's got 17 goals. He's near the top of the league in goals. He's having a great, great year. But he, he Go has, ahead, Felk. It's, it's one of your favorite stats, the quote. What? Mangiapati's shooting percentage. He, oh, the shooting percentage on Mangiapati? <laughs> oh, unsustainable. Just under 24%. 23.9%. So you know that's not going to carry into next year. And it's probably not even going to carry out the rest of the year. But the, the thing that I, I'll give Mangiapane credit for is that he's getting into the right spots in high danger areas, and that's how he's getting a lot of his goals. Yeah. He's, he's just getting to the right spots, getting open, getting in the right the, the right places at the right times. But, that again, yeah. And also on the rush. Yeah, you got to make sure that you convert at a high clip, and it's hard to continue to convert at a high clip like that. So uh, I, I, that's why I, I would be worried about Calgary unless they make a move. And that's another thing. Like, their center depth. It's Elias Lindholm and what else? Monaghan's a joke right now. Who? What else? If Blake Coleman had a center that could actually make plays? <laughs> then, yeah. Yeah. Because Sean Monahan away from Johnny Gaudreau is nothing. 
Yes, and Rich, yeah, I know that. Actually, Stephen has pointed out that mangiapane means eat bread in Italian. Mangia <laughs> is eat, and pane is bread in Italian. Yeah. Mangia, mangi. Actually, it's, I think it's you eat bread, to be honest. I think mangi, is it you or is it they eat bread? But anyway, yes, it is eat bread. It's still hilarious. Yeah. Um. So can we get Mangiapane to play with Panarin so we can have the eat bread bread line? <laughs> oh, God. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, I would take Mangiapane on their wing. Oh, man. He, he would be a little water bug with them and he would cause a lot of havoc. I would, by the way, again, I would love it if the Vancouver Canucks would somehow find a way to make it into the playoffs. Eight and two in their last 10, winners of six in a row. And I think they're they're unbeaten for Bruce. And right now they're only six points behind Edmonton with two extra games played. I just so, wonder I, about their defense. Their defense is just not good. Good. <laughs> it's so. it's it's not good at all. Uh, I mean, Quinn Hughes is a, is another one, just like Cal McCarr, not good defensively. Uh, I mean, then you have Oliver Ekman Larson, who's supposed to be a minutes eater for them. Again, not good defensively. I mean, these guys can put up points, but again, where is the defense? Perego. Uh, hey, all right. Um, mean girl. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's watching from rural from Canada. Rural Canada. Where in rural Canada are you? And uh, what's your team? Yeah, it's funny because a lot. Elias Pedersen only sixteen points. He's played better as of late. Um, but again, sixteen points in thirty-one games, inexcusable. That's just over forty points for a guy in his first three years was just under a career point per game player inexcusable uh, and for that and for, and for that rich there's only one thing to say to be far <laughs> to be far to be far connor garland 22 points in 31 games i mean right about God, how good has connor garland been for that gt miller point per game leading the charge of vancouver brock besser has finally started uh coming around for them he's finally starting to score so if if they uh, if if Brock Besser continues to do his thing, then you know what that that's a big big uh, get for them. And thank you very much, Jason. I've been seeing your comments. I saw Dylan before too, but like I said, just lag over here, so I I, I can't be with you guys. Yeah, and I've I've been I've been working on getting uh, into the comments. Usually, I've been I'm I'm on the graphics and everything else. Yeah, I might be looking into my own Wi-Fi soon. So, um, Pitter patter, let's get out of range. But uh, yeah, it, it's definitely good to see some new faces in there. Came in, came in there before. Um, you know, Mean Girl, and then some other some other names that you know I either haven't seen. There was one earlier on before that I, I think you even said welcome to the show too, Mark. Yeah, there was I've, I, I, and it wasn't just Kim, it was other people. By the way, as always, Oilers got to oil. Oil, I'm Oilers going to oil. I'm going back real quick just to see if I can taping the um, stick. There you go. There you go. Uh, oh, you go up and over, or you go, or, or you go along the blade. 
I, I usually do along the blade if I'm playing roller hockey, go over and over if I'm doing ice. So I usually go around the blade first and then I go toe to the heel. Oh, I always go heel to toe. Always yeah. heel to toe. Unless if I'm playing roller hockey, if I'm playing indoor roller hockey, then I'll do the uh I'll I'll do toe or toe to blade and I'll do the the I'll do stripes. I'll do three stripes across that way because I like having the uh I like having the the uh the bottom exposed because it, it slides better at that point. Um the uh no sorry, I, I thought about something else I was gonna say, but then I just wanted to say uh, if there's anybody that's watching right now that uh, could pass out a message, John Carroll. I wish you the best friend of mine who I used to work with at uh, Sears. That's how long ago it was and used to play hockey with for a while. He uh, was playing against my team last night, made a, a move around and it looked like he might've uh, blown out his knee last night. So I, I hope that's not the case. Uh, he was, he was down and he, he had, he, he thought he heard a pop. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping John's okay. But, um, Ron yeah, SMG. I think this is the first time I've seen you on here, so welcome to the show as well. Yeah, Rob, welcome. Runner on the bottom, and heel to toe. I like it. I like it. Wayne Gretzky yeah. was always the most meticulous person with all of his tape jobs that that has probably ever played. You would be like, "What are you doing?" It looked like he would be dissecting the blade. So, yeah, but uh, I, do I think it was to John with the speedy recovery with that. Trying to remember who said it. Uh, if it was, uh, it was one of Gordy Howe's kids. I, I can't remember because I used to watch the instructional videos. Here's how, and he used to say, "Oh, Bobby Orr used to just put one piece of tape on there and say that's all you need." <laughs> and like, uh, okay, <laughs> don't think that's Bobby right. Orr didn't need much. He 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 was he was one of the fastest skaters ever back when skates were heavy leather and clunky blades, and sticks were logs so if, if bob could you imagine bobby or with today's conditioning health surgeries amenities everything like that mm. bobby or would probably look like connor mcdavid on the ice by the way i i made this joke before i'll say it again i guess it's good that I guess it's good that we're getting all these bots and everything showing up. So that way, you know, maybe it means we're making it. So, <laughs> uh, because if we were that small, then, you know, wouldn't have had to worry about anything. Yeah, I mean, it's progress. I mean, <laughs> it, it's kind of like, you know, oh, you know, we reach, we reach a certain amount of subscribers. Yay. Progress. And now next are all the Russian spam bots. Progress. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, we got to get to the point where we can where we can make enough that we can uh, have somebody just here to do that. Skates. Uh, what skates do I use? Uh, I use Bauer and roller hockey. Um, ice. I had a pair of graphs, but I lost my stuff in Sandy. I, I had it stored in Island Park, and it was it's all gone now. So, but um, yeah. I'm trying to remember all my skates. Uh, I started with Bauer turbos. If you remember those, those are, they were fully plastic one piece skates. Um, so there was that there was, uh, I think there were Bauer pro threes, 
was where I went to and because everybody tries to get me to get to spend six hundred dollars for vapors. I'm not doing that. Um I just I just I just can't. Uh but I'm I'm a Bauer guy. CCM makes really good and comfortable skates. In terms of like breaking in their skates, CCMs are probably the easiest and most comfortable to break in. Um so I, I jet speeds are awesome. Sometimes I wish there were bots on the ring shooting on me. <laughs> That's because Jason just doesn't want us all shooting on him again. So we see you, Jason. We see you. I'll tell the boys about that. <laughs> and then on. Thank you. Yeah, the, uh, that. It's a live stream. Oh, by the way, once again, John, thank you for, for yeah. the five. I, I said um, I said that before, so but uh, I did I did I, motion I, to thank you too. No, no, I didn't know if he actually heard me or not because it was kind of like mid conversation that I was saying it. But yeah, John, we appreciate that as well. As always, you're very generous to us. Um, Chris, you think it's here, ever fair to try to switch errors? It's never fair to try to switch errors. It's it's just not. And 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 some of the things I've said before, and and, and I've had this argument with Gretzky. I've had this with a friend, um, my friend Nick you know, talked about uh, Ovechkin playing in uh, Gretzky's era. And I said, okay, so take away composite sticks, give him clunky skates, the clunky graphs with the black tucks, mm-hmm. give him those, uh, take away the training amenities, take away attention to physical fitness, nutrition, and so on, take away skills and skating coaches because they really didn't use those back then. Have him work a full time job in the off season instead of uh, you know training every day on his own or whatever. I, I mean, just a basic, a lot of like awareness that North Americans did not have that the Russians had back then, but the Americans did not have the North Americans. So, but also, yeah. you know, I can't help but say some other things like this. And by the way, Rich, you're 100 right. Skates don't make the skater. Um, but also some rules changed because of the player. Whoop, I put that one on. I wanted to go back to this one because of the player that was there. Um, Wayne Gretzky would just get in front, get a shot off, uh, as quick as he could. Wayne Gretzky and changed two rules. What were those rules? Uh, the five on five rule where because the Edmonton Oilers used to go out and sometimes just purposely take penalties so they could get into four on four situations because Gretzky with more open ice was 10 times more dangerous. And then the other rule that they did was the two line pass because they, they wanted a way to stop Gretzky. And you could say all you want about guys having composite sticks. Uh, butterfly goaltenders were definitely because Gretzky Gretzky shot a lot low for yeah. early part of his career. So yeah. butterfly goaltenders took that away. Some of that, that training uh, translated over, but um, Wayne Gretzky still would have had 18 to 1800, 1900 assists. I always forget what the actual number is that he ended up with. I just 1963 assists, 1963 when he yeah. broke 40, when he had the, the assist to get the most assists of all time to pass Gordy Allen points, Phil. Who scored the goal? Marty McSorley, if I remember correctly. Ulf Samuelson. So. Oh, oh, no. Oh, you're talking. Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about. Um, 
you're talking oh, about you mean, the most oh, assists all time? You're seeing, you were talking I, about I, the goal that he scored with L.A. Yeah, to break the record. To, to pass Gordy Howe. I'm sorry, Dad. No. Uh, well, I can't remember if it was – I think it was McSorley. I, I, I honestly – I stopped listening right away, and I thought you were talking about who scored the goal that um, – who scored the goal to um, – actually, Gretzky scored the goal to pass Howe in points. Yes, that's – and then. And then it was McSorley that um, McSorley had the assist on him passing Howe in, in goal. Yeah, because I know it was Curry and McSorley too. Yeah. Um, and uh, but the the other the other one when he had the assist to pass Howe for the career total. Yeah, um, and, and you know what? I, and, I, and I see these comments here: worst goaltending trade, uh, you know, and goaltending in, in Gretzky's era was nowhere athletic. Okay. Then, then take away the couch pillow pads from these guys, and let let's see what they can do without those. And the clutching and grabbing, and the clutching and the grabbing. defensive systems of the Devils of the yeah. late '90s. Let Let's see what they can do without being able to sit there and and clutch and grab somebody and dump it. And that's why Marty Brodeur faced what 21, 22 shots per game. I I used to joke Marty Brodeur had a pillow on top of his net. And he would get shocked when he get, when he actually got a puck. Now, granted, he stopped them all. It, it takes a lot of focus to keep your 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 mind in the game that much. But yeah, it's no, you're, you're you're right. It's not to take away anything from Gretzky or anything like that, Dave. But what you're doing is you're highlighting one side of the argument, not highlighting the other side of it. Because right now, imagine giving Gretzky uh, a composite stick. Um, not not only that, but give him all the other amenities. And then have those goaltenders from today go back and play with the equipment that they played with back in the eighties and see how they would do. Yeah. I mean, were one timers really that common in Gretzky's repertoire? They were still common. They were still common. I mean, Patrick Waugh, I'm pretty sure broke his hand or his wrist in the 89 finals on a McKinnis slap shot and still played with it. And it was his glove hand. I mean, yes, Bobby Orr said it uh, a couple years ago. I think it was the Bob Costas um, that he probably wouldn't be able to play in this era because things were also different. And now you take a lot of the players nowadays, they're trained to have, um, like, let's say, I'm just throwing a random number out there, 20 40-second shifts. That's what they're trained to do. In Gretzky's era... And even going back to Bobby Orr, you're playing a minute or two per shift. And like Guy Lafleur was doing that when I think he had a long shift when he scored the famous goal against the Bruins. It's it's not the same game anymore. They're trying to get everybody out, 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 go, go, go. And it's it's not the same thing. I get it. Gretzky. And people say Gretzky wouldn't have the, the totals that he had now, but again, you're you're not giving Gretzky all of the amenities, the attention to detail. You put Gretzky with Barbara Williams or Barbara Underhill or some amazing skating coach like that. You think that Wayne Gretzky would still be nowhere near the fastest skater in the league? Wayne Gretzky, his skating, as good as it was, as even though he wasn't the greatest skater in the league, he was still a pretty damn good skater and you couldn't hit him because he was so damn shifty. 
And it, then you give him somebody like that that could improve his skating? Forget about it. Yeah. Forget about it. I, I still think Wayne Gretzky would score 150-plus points a year. And I've said this, too. If Sergei Makarov would have came over in the 80s, Sergei Makarov would have scored 150 points in his peak years in the 80s. Because Sergei Makarov is one of the most naturally talented players the game has ever seen. And I'm not even talking like his NHL stuff. If you watched him in the 87 or 84 Canada Cups, he was yeah. unreal. Yeah. And he, he was amazing. By the way, Wayne Gretzky, most points for an undrafted player. Who has the second most points for an undrafted player? Adam Oates, I believe. Hmm. That is Peter Stastny. Damn it. I got I to gotta check that one. Hey, Brody, bro. I, 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 I think... Hey, Brody. Uh, I, I think Oates has more points than Stastny, but um, I'm not sure. Now, by the way, that's just getting into Gretzky. We didn't even get into Mario Lemieux because the game would have been called differently and he would have been he would have drawn a lot more penalties. His size and speed would have changed around. Lemieux would have had 900 goals. And then, the, of course, the other thing, of Would course. Would he be healthy, cancer. though? That's the other thing. Back problems, cancer. Um, that's why whenever somebody says, oh, if that person was healthy, yeah, but you can't replace games that you lost. Man. And the guy that told me, and now, by the way, Oates. also. Oates had and, more points, 14-20. Oh, damn it. All right, I hate being wrong on trivia questions, especially when I try to get, like, stump filk. Ah. Um, <laughs> Chris, Chris, I like this one. I love Dino Cicerelli. Dino Cicerelli was a he. He was a madman. He was like he wasn't a big guy either. No, he, he was. It, it, it's funny because they used to call him Pat Verbeek and Mark Recchi little wrecking balls of hate. Yeah, because they used to a little ball of hate, absolutely destroying people for guys their size. Uh but. After Patrick Waugh, goalie, goalie equipment changed. Patrick Waugh used to toy around with his goalie equipment. I remember where they showed one when he was with the Colorado Avalanche. They had flaps on the side of his of his uh, pants that would come down, and it would just be something else that could possibly slow down a puck if it was well, ever going to squirt by him. You, you had those those cheat shoulder pads that J.S. Jaguar, Garth Snow, and others used, where yeah. you would go down and the flap would come up and it would protect the top the top shelf. And then they banned those right after the uh, the 0405 lockout ended. So <laughs> I mean, these these goalies, if you see these goalies without their pads. They look like half the size. And and Hatchik is absolutely the greatest goaltender of all time. There's no argument to it. I, I don't want to hear anything about Martin Brodor after what Hashik did. Hashik won six Vezina trophies. And you know how many Norris votes the defenders got in front of him in those years? Four total votes. Ooh, Four. who were they? Alex Jitnik got three votes in 1998. Okay. Three votes. Not he didn't finish in third place. He got three votes. And Richard Smellick got one in '99. Oh wow! And got another bot. Got to get that out of there. Um, and I got to be careful with that because I don't want to accidentally get anybody. 
So Chris threw this one up there. Speaking, we'll say on the goaltenders. Um, and I, I do agree. Dominic Hasek's the best goalie of all time because he did it in any system. Um, would Trediak be a top two goalie if he played his entire career in the NHL? Probably because he would wow. have been. He was drafted by Montreal, and and he would. He actually no, he was drafted Montreal in his later years, I believe. Hold on, I, I'd have to. I think it was the last round of the 83 draft, if I remember correctly, which he was drafted in. But I think he was drafted at, was it a 30 at that at that point? I'd yeah, have to... That's, a, 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 you look at the physical tools and the training that he had with the Red Army, he could have been legendary in the NHL. Um, uh, here, all right, so... If you don't follow her already on Twitter, uh, her name is Jillian Kemmerer, and it's Jillian with a G. The uh, last name is spelled K-E-M-M-E-R-E-R. She does a lot of KHL. She's a great Russian hockey follow. She, she posts a lot of Russian hockey history. She's awesome. She responds. She follows back. She's she's great. I love her. Um, she posted a picture a while back of a lot of, of like the Soviets vaunted line in the seventies. It was in black and white and it was Karlamov, Mikhailov, and I forget who it was, but there were like a few other guys from that team in the picture. And it's in black and white. They're outside, they're training. It's in short, they're in shorts. That would be Moranov, right? What's up? That wouldn't be Moranov on that line, right? No. Or, no. Sorry. Or, not Moranov. Oh, that's, that's uh, in the seventies, dude. Oh my God. I, I said the wrong name. Unfortunately, I can't help but think of the Kurt Douglas. Uh, Kurt Douglas, Jesus, I just did that. Kurt Russell line from Miracle, whatever off. No, yeah, but it was, well, yeah, Yakushev probably was the guy you were thinking of, as Lou pointed out. But they were, it, it was Valerie Karlamov. If, have you ever seen Marty San Luis quads, his legs? I'm, I'm going to say no just to keep this going. I think I have, though. They look nuclear. Vla Valerie Karlamov's in like circa 1975, whenever this picture was taken, they were bigger than Marty San Luis were. <laughs> they were just, they were huge. I couldn't even believe what I was looking at. That was how far ahead the Soviets were in their training, their attention to physical fitness, and all their regiments back then. Because they were, they they were on another level, and that's why these guys couldn't skate with them at the Olympics. I and even the, when they they played the exhibition games against the NHL, the Soviets wiped the floor with the All Stars, the Rangers, all those teams because they were that further ahead. Karlov would have killed it in the NHL if he played there in the seventies. Now, just to say this also, if you haven't read the book, the book. If you haven't read the book, The Boys of Winter, fantastic book, covers oh. everyone. Uh, it's now about a 15-year-old book, so just be aware of that. Uh, it covers every, everybody, all sides of the U.S. versus uh, Russia game. And the minister of sport, who was in charge of the hockey team, told uh, – I'm trying to remember who he told once, uh, but this was the quote. Conditioning – isn't to let you know that uh, 
It, it isn't for the end of the game. Conditioning isn't for the end of the game. It is to break your spirit in the beginning of the game to let you know we're not going, we're not going anywhere. It's going to be the same thing at the end of the game. And that's how good yeah. the Soviets were conditioned. They were conditioned that their first shift and their last shift were going to be exactly the same thing you were going to get all the time. Well, that, and, that's why Herb Brooks had to do the 10,000 suicides. Oh, yeah. He knew that it, that's what it was going to take to skate with them for 60 minutes. That and also tying the Norway national team. <laughs> yeah, you don't tie Norway. Especially yeah. if you are if you have gold medal aspirations, you don't tie Norway. But, uh, yeah. yeah, Joe Graves is right. I've watched the, uh, the documentary. Um, I believe it's on the – it's the Russian 5 one where they're uh, interviewing – all five of them, uh, it, it's Mikhailov, or no, I'm sorry, it, no, uh, Larionov, Krutov. I have. Uh, thank you, Richard, by the way. We appreciate that. And uh, I, I would I would say that, uh, yeah, they need to respond more to uh, their goalies getting ran. I, I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. It, it, and Patrick Nemeth is usually the guy that, uh, tries to kill our own goaltenders. So, uh, well, Patrick Nemeth, what are you doing shoving him towards the goalie? Yeah. You're an I, opposing player. You say thank you. Pa- Patrick Nemeth needs to go. He, he, he needs to, to get the hell out of off of this team. Sorry. But, um, yeah, I mean, getting back to there, to, to what I was talking about before with the, the Russians, their training wasn't just training they lived in a facility and they could make one phone call a day to their families and you had igor larianov and slava fatisov talking about this and it was just uh, it, it was terrible they they would like you it was like practically like lockdown uh. He, and you and you wonder why these guys defected from these countries. Slava Vitisov was made into went from a national hero to a national villain. You know, it, it, it was it was bad. And these guys talk about it, and, and Krutov talks about it too. And he, you could just see the dejection in their faces when they're going and reliving these memories. And it's like, wow. Like even and, and Mean Girl brought up Alexander McGilley before. Hmm? Have you ever heard the comment that uh, McGilney made when Mike Keenan was yelling at him in Vancouver? Or Mike Mike Keenan, yeah, Mike Keenan was yelling at him in Vancouver. Yeah, he said, "The uh, I survived. I, su- I survived I, I, defecting out of Russia. You do not scare me." Yeah, survived. <laughs> eighteen. I think he had eighteen hours he spent in the trunk of a car. Ridiculous. That's. I mean. Yeah, part of it, part of it was money. You're right, David. Part of it was money, but they they wanted to get out of the country because the country was a hellhole at the time. It, it and was... part of the things that started happening around that area was Gorbachev and the transition of their country to be a little bit more open. But they still, they, they, their pride of their their team was their hockey team. They they screwed over Slava Fatisov so many times in that documentary, as you can see. Because a couple different times he thought he was going to be a New Jersey Devil. 
And I don't think he made it here until like 91 or something like that. Yeah, it was Fatisov, I think, came in uh, uh, the very late 80s or very early 90s. So. Yeah, it, 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 it was past his prime, but he still was able to do some things. I like I like this question right here. Putting their primes aside, what teams were more stacked? The uh, 0-1-0-2 Red Wings or the 91-92 Penguins? It was funny enough because they're, they're 10 years apart, those teams. Yeah. Um, I, well, definitely the 0-1-0-2 Red Wings. They're probably the greatest NHL team ever assembled, and they could probably rival just about any team that could ever be put together because you, you, you still had production from Brett Hull and Luke Robitaille. 30 goal guys. Brandon Shanahan still in his, his I guess you could say his prime. Uh, Steve Eiserman was almost a point per game playing on one knee because he he, he messed up his knee that year um, and played through it because he wanted to play in the Olympics. Uh, Nicholas Lidstrom is a top three defenseman of all time. The Pittsburgh Penguins had Maybe a top thirty defenseman of all time, and Larry Murphy, and then there was uh, Paul Coffey was on those teams. What's that? Paul Coffey was on those teams. Not the ninety-one, ninety-two winner. Oh yeah, he got traded off that one. He got traded off that one. You know what? I got that because that's what I. That was going to be my answer of saying maybe the ninety ninety-one team was better. The ninety-two ninety-three team was probably more stacked. Paul Coffey was not on that 91-92 team, Chris. He was traded at the deadline. Yeah, that's right. What what everybody forgets is Coffey was traded and Recky was traded in 91-92. Recky was traded for Rick for Rick Tockett. Yeah. I mean, that's if you're if you're talking about finished products, then it, then it's the uh the the Red Wings. I I I'd have to say it was Red Wings. So, you know what's funny about the the ninety? You're bringing up though the ninety one ninety two Penguins. Um, do you know the, the longest? Uh, just give me the number. Uh, don't tell me the team yet. What's the longest winning streak in playoff history? It's been numbered by three teams. Longest winning streak ever in playoff history? Yeah, uh, I would say eight straight games. Eleven straight, and it was done. First by the Chicago Blackhawks in 91-92. They won, they, uh, I think they won the last three games of uh, their series against, I think it was Detroit they opened up against, uh, or St. Louis in 91-92. But any, and anyway, they ended up sweeping the next two rounds and going to the Stanley Cup Finals. What ended their winning streak was the Pittsburgh Penguins, who... Won the last three games against the Rangers, swept the Boston Bruins, then swept the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then, for good measure, the Canadians tied it the next year. Yeah, David, he, like I said, he got traded at the deadline. He, do, he doesn't count on that team because it's not the finished roster. He didn't win the cup with them. It's true, you know. <laughs> so, if Mark was better, girls would like him more. <laughs> I do get the, oh, God, yeah. It is it is it is the advantage of being uh being uh on the bar of uh, a bartender and oh I was always a trivia enthusiast anyway. So but yeah, yeah he was traded at the deadline. And Isles Isles were not one of them, but the Isles actually fought hard in the playoffs. 
Chris T, where would you would we rank the John LeClaire and Eric Desjardins from Mark Recchi trade a top ten worst in NHL history? No. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even blink no. and it wouldn't be there. No, because Recchi was still good for the Canadians. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, he was really good for them in, at to end that ninety five season. He was really good for them to uh, in, in ninety six and in ninety seven. Um, it was after Pierre Turgeon left that his numbers started going down a little bit in Montreal, but um, I, I would say if anything, you're, you're looking at that. It's a bad trade for them just because LeClaire ended up being um, the a last monster. player before Alexander Ovechkin to have back to back to back 50 goal years, 96, seven and eight. But, um, and John LeClaire was, uh, a real good scorer for a long time for Philly, but. And when you think about the prototypical power forwards of the nineties, you think probably Cam Neely, Eric Lindros, Eric Lindros, John LeClaire, Brandon Shanahan, Shanahan. Keith Kachuk, Keith Kachuk. Um, I mean, Adam Graves, I would say. Now, Chris, uh, on the other hand, this trade, Let's go. Let's go down oh. the rabbit hole with this trade, oh, man. because the initial trade will make us all say, "Hey, that was a terrible trade. Why did they do that?" Okay, so let's get that one out of the way. Sundin for Wendell Clark, not a good trade. Oh. Yeah, not a good that, trade. that's a bad, bad one. However, oh. that that's got to be that might be a top ten for me. Yeah. However, yeah, by the way, David, unfortunately, there are so many, so many bots that are going in there. And I'm hoping yeah. I don't accidentally delete somebody that's watching us. Uh, okay, so let's get that out of the way. Sundin for Wendell Clark. Phil, do you remember who Wendell Clark became for the Quebec Nordiques slash Colorado Avalanche? He was, it was a three-team trade. He, he, he was trade. He, he ended up being Yui Crew. No, better. One of the players was Steve Thomas going to the New Jersey Devils. Oh, that's right. That because was... the, because oh. that uh, because of that trade, they got Claude Lemieux from the New Jersey Devils. And Claude Lemieux. It's not that bad of a trade. No, not for the Nordiques. No, it, it, right. it ended up working out. It, it just for it worked for Toronto too. The Islanders got the, the the shaft on that one. And then Clark went to the Islanders. He was and actually pretty good for the Islanders, if I recall correctly. But I the don't Islanders think were, were all that bad, but I don't think they were all that good either. No, but but again, it wasn't I think it was more like he was good for the for the team that he was on. Like the Islanders were in a full rebuild. That was the year that was the year the first year of the fishermen. They had they were introducing prospects. Yes, prospects. Zygmunt Palfi. 20, Twenty-four um, goals and forty-three points in fifty-eight games. That's not bad. Todd Bertuzzi, Wade Redden as a he New York Islander. Team scoring, and he and he only played fifty-eight game or fifty-eight games to them. What they really lost out on is when they had to deal Matthew Schneider to Toronto because Matthew Schneider had 
47 points in only 65 games for the Islanders, he probably would have scored about 60 points for them that year. Matthew Steiner was a real good Islander and a real good Ranger when he was with us. Yeah, so, and with, then they with, oh, with them. the expansion draft to Columbus. Yikes. Sorry, I had my fandom on my sleeve for a minute. Yikes. That, uh... Meeting a buddy of mine soon enough in about an hour. But, uh... Yeah, so, yeah, the Matt Sundin trade isn't that bad when you, when you take it and bring it out further. Uh... But it's just... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, the Nordiques gave up Matt Sundin, but they also won two Stanley Cups. Look at it that yeah. way. I mean, in the end, it worked out because Claude Lemieux helped them win a Stanley Cup in 1996. But, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at the core of it, you ended up giving up uh, Matt Sundin and, and you got Claude Lemieux out of it. Lemieux was there for... Six, seven, eight, nine, and then two thousand. He went back to Jersey, so he was there for four years and helped them win a Stanley Cup, and was probably a big part of the biggest playoff series they ever played against Detroit in '96. So, right on, John. That was it. it was Claude? I mean, and and Claude Lemieux, arguably one of the best playoff performers, like. He's on the short list of, of guys you would say showed up for the playoffs. Uh, Consmite Trophy winner, I th- nope. Oh, Consmite yeah. Cons- yes. 95. Yeah, 14 goals, which led the NHL in, in goal scoring. He wasn't even a point per game player and won the Consmite. So, yeah. Uh, two well, all well, famers. That, that's, that- the, that's the thing, David, though. It, they had, it, just remember, they had Sackick, Sundin, and Lindros. All their organization at one point, and a move was going to have to be made. But and then not only that, but even when they made the Lindros trade, they had Peter Forsberg, it's Sackick, Sundin, and Forsberg. That center depth is unreal. That might be the greatest center depth ever, ever. Okay, Lou, and and again, let me go to this one. Uh, oh God, yeah. Uh, Bernie, Nichols Bernie Nichols for Tony Gardano and Tomas Sandstrom. That that trade finishes okay for the ninety season for the 89-90 season. 91-90. Uh, sorry, 90-91. I went the other way for some reason. Yeah. Not that great of a deal. But, but Bernie Nichols, Nichols was the Messier. centerpiece of the Mark Messier trade. Yeah. So it's yeah. it doesn't end up being that bad. And That's one reason- great thing about um Steve Dangle's trade trees are so awesome. Yeah, and the reason why the, the price for Nichols was so high was because of that 70-goal, 150-point season in 89 when Gretzky first got there. Got to remember, Bernie Nichols is one of the very rare few to, to score 70 goals and 150 points. So, yeah, I mean, he, he basically made a career off that year. Because a lot of his years afterwards weren't great. Yeah, Cam Daly from Vancouver to Boston is is regarded as one of the worst trades ever, me girl. You're I right. don't even know who they traded for. And that's how bad that trade is for, for Vancouver. Vancouver yeah. kicks themselves every time they hear the name Cam Neely. Every you know time. what? Actually, that's a great question. And I think we're going to have to do a video on this at some point. Best players not to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah. cause you get a guy like Matt Sundin that doesn't want it. 
Jerome McGinley hasn't won it. Henrik Lundqvist never won it. And I still think I, I, Henrik Lundqvist didn't win it because he played in the era of Crosby and Ovechkin in his division. So Henrik Lundqvist is, is probably a top three to five player to never. And that would, oh, yeah, that's another bad trade, Chris T. Marcus Naslin for Alex Stoyanov. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wonder if anybody even knows who the hell that is. Uh, if I recall correctly, wasn't he like a tough guy? No. He, oh. he was supposed to be a, a a skilled player that just never panned out. Never, I mean, never panned out. We can go back to the Islanders again with the um, – uh, hold on. It, that trade the, the to Vancouver, Trevor Linden. The Pierre Turgeon and Vladimir Malikov for Matthew Schneider and uh, – Kurt Muller. Kirk Muller, who did not want to play for the Islanders trade. And let it be known right away. Mike Gardner, of course. Mike Gardner awards 22 in juniors because of Mike Gardner. And, yeah, he was was a hell of a player. Uh, Never won a cup. Gardner is definitely up near the top. uh, Easily a top 10 player to never win the cup. I mean, that's definitely a list I would want to put together. People people that know me would know that this is the worst – that's one of the worst Ranger trades of Gary all time. Peterson. Oh man, that's the name. Oof. Oh yeah. Barry Peterson. <laughs> like when you're known for being that bad of a guy, like you yeah, might not Mark, be that bad of a guy. Like a lot of for Philip Forsberg, which got George McPhee fired. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad one. Keith. Rick, um, I have it there. on one of my first videos I ever published before we even started this format, even when it was just Zoom calls and editing, um, was the best player, the, the best New York athlete not to win a championship. And for my money, it's Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, I, I would have to say Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, it's. I think it comes down to him and Ewing. Merry Christmas, uh, Johnny Red, by the way. I, I saw that. I just wanted to do uh... Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, and, I was uh, I was so busy. Yeah, um that that's that that's another that's another good one. So Ro- Roger Bear, I would definitely say. Roger um, Bear. I mean, we could make it with just American hockey players too, because yeah, Kachuk never yeah. won one. Uh Ronick never won one. Nope. Phil um, Phil Forsberg, that that trade's a really, really bad trade. That's probably one of the worst in, in modern memory. Um Chris, Rick I'll post and Hodge. I'll post the um the video on the community tab, so that way you guys could all check it out. But it was um uh, the guys that I had on the list. I had two hockey guys, three baseball guys, two football guys, and Patrick Ewing for basketball. Patrick Ewing has got to be near the top. He was such a great, He's such great a great player. player. Just. If they knew how to build a damn team around him, and if John Starks would have just given Ewing the ball in Game Six, they would have won the damn championship. Yeah, but I think the play was to try to make him. Uh, <laughs> the Mets are still paying uh, Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> All right, but you know what? You know what? Wait, David, I'm gonna give you. The, I'm gonna give you a defense of the Bobby Bonilla deferment payments. Hold on, but um, 
I do. I think I have on there on that Don't video. Don't try to defend that. That's stupid. All you had to do was pay five million dollars out to him, and you would have been free. That would have been it. Oh, so and, and again, the, I get it. You got David Wright out of it. I know. I know. But uh, that's just. Yeah, I, I do. By the way, on that video, I do have um, uh, uh, uh the Charles Smith uh play. I I think I have that on there, and that's still. You know what? The funny thing is, me, Phil, and a lot of us, I guarantee us, we can almost talk about the 90s Knicks and 90s basketball till no end. Will you ever talk about these guys in the same breath of those 90s guys? Of course not. The, the better sport was back in the 90s. And the better players were back in the, in the 90s. Yeah. It's a different game. It's just not as enjoyable. I mean, I still watch the Knicks here and there. I just uh, – and it, it it wasn't the 2001 Knicks, Dave. It was the 1999 Knicks. That was – Yeah, that was their shortened season. Yeah, it, it was the, the Latrell Sprewell trade and, and Allen Houston and Patrick Ewing on his last legs not being able to handle Robinson and Duncan – just uh it, it just yeah and as a ranger fan you couldn't help but be mad because you're watching uh mark messier in vancouver and patrick ewing was a, a shade of what he used to be already and the difference was i think messier was making six million and ewing was making like 22 it wasn't 99 2000 david it was 1998 or 99 it, the 99-2000 champions were the Lakers. Yeah, that was their first at three. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we're going to do about uh, – we'll do about three more minutes. We'll take it to 7-12. We're at I'm going to have to get this up. We're at 7-12. Oh, what? We're at 7-12. Oh, sorry, seven fifteen. I meant to say. All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll go to seven fifteen. No, no wonder why we're all confused. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be going to a friend's house. So, but um, yeah, yeah. Ninety four would have been amazing if the Knicks would have won. That that just would have that would have helped been so part of Bernard King's problems. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. Bernard King was a hell of a player. He, he was, was Carmelo Anthony before Carmelo Anthony. I'll you're say. Right. You're right. You're. Yeah. I, I. I would say that because he was a big, big scorer. Um. I don't like. And for his time, he was. I like this. I like this. That's good. I don't think he had the career that Carmelo Anthony had, but at his peak, he was definitely in the same type of stature that Carmelo Anthony was. Big time scorer. Guard is one of the best scorers in the league. Um, so yeah, I, I, I could see that comparison. Take care Jason. Yeah. Um, um, by the way, and David, you're right about that. The Rangers would have been and the Rangers and the Knicks, I mean, would have been the only teams to win two championships for the same building in the same year. Uh, I think that still hasn't happened. If I recall correctly. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think it has. No. Uh, so I guess this is actually a good question. Oh, nice. Rich, I'll answer that as well. Cause I'm going to answer it with this. So what are your Christmas plans? Uh, just going to family close by. 
That's that's really it. Yeah, I am to answer Rich's question as well. I will be working Friday night seven to four and uh, Saturday night seven to four. Um, it's it might oh, be you a madhouse. Saturday night. Yep, we're open Christmas night. Wow. Uh, actually, I think that's it might so be eight weird. o'clock. Eight o'clock. Eight, eight to four. That's so weird. Um, I don't get why you guys are open on Christmas. Christmas, we get mobbed. What? It is. Yep. Yeah, I'll say I'll tell you this. Christmas is like St. Patrick's Day Part Two sometimes. Wow, or most that's of the time, ridiculous! I can't believe like, that many people go to bars on Christmas. I think it's because everybody spends Christmas Eve with their family, Christmas Day with their family, and then they're just tired of people. <laughs> like, I love you all. Get the hell out of my face. I I guess I can understand that. But I mean, um, me and my you brother Joe we used David, to always go David see David a movie on Christmas. That, well, you can only you can only take so much of family uh, before you need to start drinking. and that's and that is totally true so rich i am going to be there uh every single night till four o'clock uh except christmas night which is eight to four instead of seven to four so there you go yeah just like the mta we never sleep by the way boss croakers uh we're coming up on our one day a year we close early that's new year's eve we close early we we come down uh, Rich, yeah, I hope you come on down. Hope I get to see you and hope that, um, and again, if I, I'm only, I only got your thumbnail to recognize you with. So even if you, if you said to be rich rotten, I go, I got, I know who you are now. Like Mike, Mike came down, Mike, uh, NYR forever. Uh, he came down. That was great. Cause the funny part is then, then I go, all right, I already know who you are. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I would love to go see family. Uh, most of my family is in Arizona and Florida. And uh, my cousins, we, we didn't get together for Thanksgiving. But, I mean, I'd be hanging out with my roommates if, if it wouldn't be the case, or housemates, I should say. And uh, they're all great people. You probably heard them a couple different times tonight. And, uh, yeah, it's um, it'd be nice to see some family occasionally. I'd, I would love to see my aunt because... Uh, She's the best, but she's also just on uh, just underwent cancer treatments. So don't want to introduce possibly anything nearer. So, uh, but Brody, those are good plans. <laughs> yeah, there we go, Mike. <laughs> yeah, whenever you can. You know what? That actually is a fun thing is that I've had people coming up to me during dart matches to go. I didn't know you had a podcast. And then, or I didn't know that you had, um, that you, that you worked out, you worked out of Croker's until it was draft night, Phil, when I, when I walked out and called in. Oh yeah. Oh, that was the first one. But, oh, by the way, we are, um, I, I was hoping to announce it today, but we might announce it later on this week about making a concrete, about doing the bar meetup January 6th at Boss Croker's in Wontaw. That'll be the a nine o'clock game. That's the day of the Rangers going back to Vegas. Gerard Gallant, his first uh, game back there. We'd love to have you guys come down. I just want to make it official before I get you in there. And <laughs> you know what? Thanks, Rich. Uh, actually, uh, I thought I had one, but there was a soap opera that I could tell you about with that. Yeah. All right. But, so yeah, I got I to start getting going now. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Have a great 
uh, Christmas holiday and just have a great holiday. It is fantastic. Like I said, hey, two hours, 50 minutes. We go overboard because we love doing this. So can't wait to can't wait to do this again. See you next week. We'll be talking about hopefully at least one game being played and possibly some yep. more. Hopefully without a third period collapse. But yeah. um, all right. Take care and Merry Christmas to all. I like it. Have a 99. Take care, everybody. Let's go, Rangers.